Anthony Denner Podcast, welcome in for another episode. Huge Ghislaine Maxwell, Jeffrey Epstein news. We were going to start the show talking about Jeffrey Epstein as a spy. We'll still do that. But that Ghislaine Maxwell document dump just happened. We have all the information. We will share that with you on this episode. Plus, I never before heard of Ghislaine Maxwell Epstein Clinton flight. We'll cover that. And how Matt Gates ties into the whole Epstein oh, thing. Oh, puke. There's a new thing there with that. Um, so we've got a lot of Ghislaine Maxwell Epstein stuff on this episode of the podcast. Plus, new information coming out about January 6th between Trump and Pence. We'll share the story with you. James Gandolfini and The Office. We'll talk about that. And is the government controlling my air conditioning unit? Yes. This is crazy. Something just happened to me, and I'm going to share it with everybody. Last topic, most likely, or towards the end of the episode. It's crazy. Do you ask Google or Alexa or Siri to control your your air conditioning? I have a nest. Then yes. This I'm I'm very angry about this. The government is controlling you shit. I'm I'm Mm -hmm. I'm freaking out a little bit. A little upset. We'll get into it. All right, uh, let's start with the document. Um, Frankie C is here. How you doing, my friend? Hanging in there, buddy. You? I'm all right. I'm happy that it's Friday. Happy to be here with everybody doing the show. Uh, thrilled. Uh, so here's uh, what we got on the Ghislaine Maxwell document dump. 52 documents uh, were just released. This is all, again, from the defamation lawsuit with Virginia Jeffrey. Um, this was stuff that was held back, said it would not give her a fair trial. Blah, blah, blah. However, we got here. Hook it by crook. We got the uh, documents today. Uh, Documents include portions of the deposition of Ronald Ronaldo Rizzo. Excuse me. Frank Rizzo. Open your ears. (laughs) Ronaldo Rizzo, a former private chef for the hedge fund manager, Glenn Dubin, who claimed Epstein and Maxwell had brought a disoriented 15-year-old Swedish girl to his employer's home. Rizzo said the girl was left sitting on a bar stool in the kitchen as he and his wife were preparing the evening meal. She proceeds to tell my... So this is him now quoting... um, This this is a quote from him. She She proceeds to tell my wife and I that this is not... This is blurting out, not a conversation like I'm having a casual conversation... That quickly, I was on an island. He's now quoting the girl. I was on an island. I was on the island, and there was Ghislaine there. They asked me for sex. I said no. He said the girl didn't know how she got from the island to Dubin's home. I said, this is nuts. Do you have a passport? Do you have a phone? He said the girl told him the passport had been taken. Dubin and his wife, Ava Anderson Dubin, who had previously dated Epstein, have denied any knowledge of the late financier's behavior. Can you imagine, Frank, you're a private chef. You're doing a catering job. And a delirious 15-year-old Swedish girl just wanders into the kitchen. No. I, immediate, your immediate reaction should be call some kind of authority. Yeah. Call the police. Yeah. Who is this strange girl in my kitchen? Why is she delirious? Right. Where did she come from? What's going on? So she 
So what was the story? She vodka's strong tonight. Tell you is that. it? Yeah. I bet it tastes great out of that Anthony on Air mug. Even better out of the Anthony on Air mug that you could order right now at shopanthonyonair.com. Well placed, my friend. Well Thank placed. You. Well, here, let me just say so this. So what happened? She, she was... Uh, go ahead. Uh, let me just say this. I'm not defending this Ronaldo Rizzo. I don't know him. He's not my problem. I'm not, I'm not saying, like, let's take a... But think about this for a second. When you're a chef, okay, and you're stuck in a kitchen... 12 hours a day, it's hot. I've been in kitchens, like real, it's miserable. It's hot, everybody's yelling, it's loud, it's uncomfortable. And you finally break out of that atmosphere and you start doing private dinners. And who do you think you're doing private dinners for? Average people? No, you're doing them for rich, wealthy people in the city. Yeah. It's a great gig and it pays really well, right? Mm -hmm. You finally right. get it all rolling. This is like the worst thing that can happen to you. This is not great. No. So she just wand she wanders into the kitchen wondering where she is, how she got there. And then what happened? She That's it. That's all we have in this. That's all uh, that I don't was know. Released. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that that's all that was that was released in this. Okay. Um but they have her. To... She's a witness. She's alive and well. I don't know. I don't know who that girl was. I think there's a there's a Jane Doe thing here too, where you can't if it's an underage oh, girl, that you makes can't. Sense. You know. Well, was she underage back then? Fifteen. She's probably now. She's probably in her twenties, right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't That's know messed up. Works. That yeah, is messed no, up. Of course it is. And then you add the other layer to like catch the last line that Dubin, the person that they were cooking for, his wife used to date Epstein. And, Not uh, great. If you're one degree away from Epstein, you're you're probably a scumbag. I mean, huge. Now, wait until we get into the Epstein portion of this. It's it's ridiculous. Oh, because th there's more. Good. Well, well, this is we're still in Ghislaine document dump. When we get into is Epstein a spy? M more, more, more craziness to it because it really we're gonna get a, a real insight into how he pulled off a lot of the shit that he did because he pulled off. You know, I, I, right we now. all know. We know. All right. Um, so they're still trying to. Uh, everybody's just going over the documents. Documents just came out. So a lot of them are still there. You know, things are trying to be verified, trying to put them together, piece you know, piece the puzzle together. Mm -hmm. One of the documents shows a handwritten call log of messages left for Epstein in the early two thousands. Many of the messages came from Maxwell, but others appear to be routine notes on a mundane on mundane topics, callback requests, and messages from acquaintances who pulled a muscle and had to cancel a lunch meeting. Several mentioned massage appointments. One, an undated message from Epstein to Maxwell reads, quote, would you be helpful to have a redacted name come to Palm Beach today to stay here and help train new staff with Ghislaine? Another from a redacted caller recorded at 1120 a.m. on February 27, 2005 reads, please call her back. She wanted to make sure you know that she is going to meet Ghislaine and go with her to the ranch. An undated message, which appears between entries dated in July and August of 2005, mentions a female offering a massage. Quote, she doesn't want to come to the movies, but call her if you want a massage before or after the movie, it reads. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah Frank's, Frank's facial expression. Sorry to the listeners, but Frank's facial it's, expression. It's not good. It's disgust. Yeah. 
Another message from September 4th, 2005 reads, canceled with redacted. She would like to speak to you, I believe, about college. Should I reschedule? Should I schedule anyone else? I mean, my God, think of the, um, like, this is like every day, this, this guy. Unbelievable. This I, is, I, I mean, I, it's got to be a sickness, but I mean, Jesus, every day? I don't get it. It's... It's terrible. It really is. Um, there's another part that uh, shows a transcription between um, attorneys arguing. It's a little confusing. One attorney, we kind of went over part of this already. She says, Miss Maxwell, Maxwell says, Mr. Boys. Uh, the lawyer says, what? She says, I'm applying to you. I'm not even going to continue. With it. It's a stupid exchange. Uh, in one exchange, Jeffrey's former attorney, David Boyes, asks Maxwell, Maxwell if she knows the ages of any of the women involved with giving massages to Epstein at his Palm Beach mansion. She replies, the ones that I did recognize were roughly my age. The ones I don't know, I wouldn't have a clue. So again, claiming to be dumb. But she recognized some of her age. Yeah. Which was under. Right. right. Which was not, yeah, yeah. not good. Total bullshit. Uh, just yeah. gets grosser and grosser yeah completely so that's that's the document dump um like i said it just kind of came out um hashtag thanks cuddles producer extraordinaire for coming to the table with that you know so very nice uh there might be more to that i don't know we like, like i said it literally just came out so if yeah there's more, no, we'll i'm sure it. there's a little more deeping uh digging that'll take place all right, Frankie. You uh, you look at the comments of uh, you look at the tweets and the 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 emails and the messages to the site. A lot of people say Epstein was a spy. Everybody claims Epstein was a spy. Let's talk about the fact that Epstein was a spy. So, um, well, we don't Vicky, know. He could be. Yeah, Vicky it's Ward, uh, who uh, was writing. She was she was kind of famous for that that piece in Vanity Fair a couple of years ago where Epstein was being interviewed. This was before anybody really knew who he was. Mm-hmm. And if you remember that he was being asked like about the finances and all this and that, and he agreed to do the interview, which was a rarity because he never really did interviews. And then he kind of like wanted to shut everything down. And then he basically uh, threatened Vanity Fair that he was going to take legal action and they never put the piece out. Hmm. And if you remember the Netflix documentary, I believe, which again, spurred our obsession with all this, uh, that in that documentary, that, that article is referenced a lot and they take a lot of response. The person who ultimately had to make that decision to kill that story felt horrible because basically it gave him carte blanche to continue to do this for another, you know, God knows how many, 10 more years or whatever it it was. So we're sort of going back to that piece and getting a little bit more in depth on it uh, with this story. So this is all from Vicki Ward, uh, who's doing a lot more. She's kind of coming to the table with a lot more of what she knows and and her position and all this. So let me read from you. Um, she's going back to, this is recalling now the time that she went to interview him, uh, or she was doing the piece in Vanity Fair. She went to Federal Medical Center 
uh, in Devons, Massachusetts, to meet with somebody, an inmate, by the name of Stephen Hoffenberg. Okay. Okay. Stephen Hoffenberg was serving 18 years in prison for committing a $450 million Ponzi scheme in the 80s. He'd been running Towers Financial, which was a debt collection and reinsurance business. Now, we know somebody who was in reinsurance, so we could tell you a sketchy. Which I never understood, reinsurance. Yeah. Insuring the insurance. Sketchy business. I don't know. Um, He had worked alongside Epstein, who was a paid consultant. Hoffenberg told Vicky Ward that Epstein had plans to turn Towers into a global colossus through illegal means. Hoffenberg was so transfixed by Epstein and his ideas that he even paid the rent for Epstein's office space. It befuddles me. Now, I guess you could say he's a handsome guy, but it befuddles me how much he was able to get from people. He was a gajillionaire. What do you, you know, that's, I think that holds a lot of it. It doesn't... And but even in the beginning... Yeah, I guess. Even in the 80s, when he was just getting that start, like, give an office, like, give you rent-free office? Like, what? Yeah, in what Manhattan? Maybe he maybe it was all blackmail. Maybe he did all got all this stuff through blackmail. I mean, I can't imagine everything he got was on the up and up. No. But you again, know, put aside of course all the gross things. Yeah. I'm sure there was some things that were illegal that weren't that had, didn't have anything to do with the gross stuff like like blackmail, like all this stuff. But again, I mean, I get charismatic people, but I mean, this is a this is a charisma I feel like is on I've never seen before that people no. were just like, yeah, rent free, yeah, uh, manage my seventy five million dollar empire. It sounds, like, yeah, it sounds fishy. It sounds like he's got something on them. Yeah, and that's how he ran his his life with with information. Hoffenberg told Vicky that he represented a problem for Epstein because while they were working together, Epstein had confided in him as to how exactly he made a career out of conning people and Boom. institutions. Not least because the idea was that they'd do it together. Hoffenberg said that Epstein had a term for the perfect execution of the grift. He called it playing the box, which meant that he ensured that even if his crime was uncovered, the victim would be unable to do anything about it, either because of social embarrassment or because the money was tucked away in a place where they couldn't either find it or get it. So there you go. I mean, it's all shady, everything about it. And it's it's illegal. I mean, I'm sure the gross stuff wasn't the only crazy illegal shit he was doing. Yeah. What so Hoffenberger had failed to realize, he told Vicky, is that Epstein would con him. He would take $100 million of Tower's money and move it offshore. Meanwhile, cooperate with U.S. prosecutors against Hoffenberg, who was unable to do anything about it because he pled guilty, which meant there was no trial and therefore no discovery. So he took this money off of Hoffenberg. And this is like we talked about this before with Whitey Bulger. When you don't know who the players of the game are, and you're just getting you think you're putting away the big kingpin. Sometimes you could allow the real kingpin to operate, right? Because that's kind of what Whitey Bulger did. Whitey Bulger was running the whole show. Meanwhile, he was ratting out these other people and 
the feds thought we're doing a great job here. Meanwhile, it was even worse because they were letting the guy really responsible run run roughshod. And he sounds had, like what was happening. He had government protection. But did he? That's that's all speculation. We don't know if he had government protection. We don't know. And in fact, Vicky points out that she can't prove all of Hoffenberger's claims, but some of them are accurate. So here's what she discovered. Epstein certainly did secretly cooperate against Hoffenberg and gave at least three interviews to prosecutors that had the case gone that had the case gone to trial. A source with knowledge said it would have likely turned out far worse for Epstein than Hoffenberg. Hoffenberg also knew something else Epstein wanted hidden. According to him, he claimed that Epstein moved in intelligence circles. This goes to the claim that everybody says he was an intelligence person. He worked for well, Assad that or, or he just had a lot of information on people. Yeah. Like he worked in the field of having information and utilizing that to his benefit. Yeah. So when she was interviewing Epstein, she brought up Hoffenberg to him. And that was only one of two points where he became really nasty. He said, Epstein said that he hardly knew Hoffenberg. He just briefly consulted on a couple of deals and he hadn't been involved in the prosecution of Hoffenberg. And that if Vicky wrote anything different, things would turn out badly for Vicky. This is exactly what he said. I'll quote. If there's any implication of wrongdoing, I will take le legal action against you personally. I'm telling you so you understand. I will be as harsh as I possibly can personally. Not for the magazine, but for you. Because I had this discussion with you. This relationship is with you. You shouldn't risk your future for your job. Sounds like a great guy. Yeah. Yeah, see, it's all blackmail, and, you know, don't turn on me or I will expose you, and it's yeah. that's how he operated. Whether or not it's him being a spy, you know, it, just because someone has a ton of information on people doesn't mean they're a spy for the government. It just could mean that they have access to it all because they have friends and they have connections. Yeah. So she said the only other time he went berserk was when he mentioned was when the subject of girls was brought up. Um, Hoffenberger told her that in the 80s, Epstein left Bear Stearns in ignominious circumstances. Spell I have, I have a college degree, I promise. I-G-N-O-M-I-N-I-O-U-S. SSSIP. Um, <laughs> Epstein was trained in moving money offshore and that a mentor of Epstein was someone Hoffenberger, someone Hoffenberg knew, a British defense contractor who died in 2011 named Douglas Lease. Hoffenberg claimed that Lease was an arms dealer. Oh my God, this just never ends. Lease's son Julian says that is not true, but UK parliamentary records. Uh, does mention lease in reference to the L Yamama 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 arms uh, deal. I'm, I'm uh, almost a hundred percent positive that you're mispronouncing that. <laughs> Your mom. Your right. mama. Uh, in the early 1980s, I remember distinctly that in our first meeting, Hoffenberg told me that lease was pivotal in understanding Jeffrey Zembo because lease had introduced him not only to aristocratic Europeans who Epstein subsequently fleeced. But all sorts of people in the arms business, including Ugh. late Turkish-born businessman Adnan Khashoggi and 
Robert Maxwell, Delane's father. Oh boy. Um, back at in least two- they're, they're uncovering these webs that like I I would go nuts. I don't know how. Yeah. They get through all this and connect all these dots. I'm sure they have a team, a huge team going through everything with you know chalkboards <laughs> and whiteboards, and they're just connecting things with strings. And yeah. I have no patience to. I know. follow any of this and a lot of people have said this it's been a lot of comments this has been the lore of a lot of internet rumors or internet confirmations there are going to be people in the comments right now they'd be like i told you i've been saying this for months but here's a real laid out like here's all the names here's how they know each other right but it doesn't like, mean i mean the, the bottom line is was he working for the government or not it doesn't seem to me, like you would be. Well, I mean, they say he ran in some intelligence circles. He knew Khashoggi. He, you know, he knew he all knew these. All, he knew everybody, what it sounded like. But it sounded like he was a giant scumbag that, why would they let him, why would they let him keep doing scumbag things? You yeah. know, I mean. Uh, well, here's what Vicky said. Back in 2000, she didn't really pay much attention to this stuff. And Epstein sort of breezily threw her off. Epstein told her he had never met Maxwell, and she asked him twice if he knew Lise, and Epstein said no. But the second time when she interviewed him again, he came around and said, Douglas Lease, I think, was the father of somebody I knew. I think his son was friendly with Ferranti. That's where that whole crowd comes from. If you asked me about it a long time ago, I think his name was Nicholas. It was sort of that 66th Street building. I think they might have all lived there. So everybody sort of forgot about Lise, including Vicky, and she didn't bother to pursue the notion that Epstein had known Maxwell. But all these years later, Lise's name popped up again in new reporting and uh, all this stuff that is coming out. And here's what they found on lease now uh, a lawsuit filed by lease in florida in which he asserted that he was involved with various highly confidential business enterprises including business in the united states some of which involved governmentally involved or other highly confidential business projects second was a source who requested uh, anonymity because of the sensitivity of what was discussed told me that Epstein told Vicky that Epstein had invited the source to join him and Lise on a private jet trip to the Pentagon in 1981. Even Lisa's son Julian told Vicky that his father was a mentor of sorts to Epstein in the 80s and was totally shocked that Epstein would have pretended to not know him. So why Epstein's silence on Lise? Uh, his denial about knowing Robert Maxwell why would he do that? What's all this spy stuff? Hoffenberger says that Epstein had said that he worked on several projects with Robert Maxwell, including solving Maxwell's debt issues. Um, oh, well, he died in 1991. He fell off his yacht. Very suspicious in the middle of the night. All that stuff. Epstein also told Hoffenberg that via Maxwell and Lee's, he was involved in something that Hoffenberg described, described as national security issues which he says involved blackmail, influence trading, trading information at a level that is very serious and dangerous. Here's where it gets tricky. Four separate sources told Vicky on the record that Epstein's dealings in the arms world in the 1980s had led him to work for multiple governments, including the Israelis. This is something that is shouted in our comment section 
on a daily basis when we whenever we talk about Epstein. Some of these sources are more reliable than others, but the gist of this claims that uh, you will be able to hear and ultimately watch in a three-hour documentary series is that Maxwell, who was himself a conduit between the Israelis and other governments during his lifetime, introduced Epstein to Israeli leaders who then allegedly used Epstein as the equivalent of an old-fashioned Russian sleeper, someone who could be useful in an influence campaign. The sources who range from former arms dealers to former spies and also Hoffenberg suggest that Epstein, who lacked any sort of moral compass, decided to go one step further and compromise influential people by recording them and doing things they wouldn't want to be made public. Yikes. All of this is obviously unprovable, and people close to Robert Maxwell say it sounds ridiculous. But here's another odd thing. Epstein did visit Israel in 2008 with a view to moving there permanently and to avoid his jail time in 2009 for the state charges he was convicted on. On his return, he told Russian model Kira Diktiar that he changed his mind and decided to face the music. He didn't mention he avoided... He didn't mention he'd avoided a far more serious federal investigation thanks to a cushy non-prosecution agreement. Once he got out of jail in the last 10 years of his life, Epstein bragged to various people, including journalists, that he was advising a whole assortment of foreign leaders who included Vladimir Putin, Mohammed bin Zayed, Mohammed bin Salman, various African dictators, Israel, the British, and of course, the Americans. He also told several people that he was making a fortune out of arms, drugs, and diamonds, he told one person, journalist Edward J. Epstein, that he knew the owner of the deep water port of Djibouti on the Horn of Africa, a smuggler's par paradise, so well that he was basically in charge of it. According to sources in the intelligence world, this is all hyperbole, but also not completely ridiculous. His name was mentioned as a middleman in both Africa and in the Middle East, he was known in the intelligence world as a hyperfixer, somebody who can go between different cultures and networks. Usually these people are very silent about what they do, yet Epstein was not. He had a photo of the Saudi Crown Prince, MBS on the wall, and photos of Bill Gates and all the VIPs who flocked to his salons. It's not wholly surprised, therefore, that the same sources who say they knew he was some sort of intelligence asset say that he became a liability, which is why possibly he lost any protection and was arrested. A handful of people that were interviewed, including former Mossad agent Victor Ostrovsky, maintain that this is exactly what happened to Robert Maxwell, which is why they say Maxwell was killed. Um, his financial problems were about to make him vulnerable. But then in 2002, but back in 2002, when Vicky first met Steven Hoffenberger, uh, she does remember asking him why he thought that Epstein, normally recluse, normally a recluse, had raised his head above the uh, waters and attracted media attention by flying with Bill Clinton to Africa. Hoffenberger smiled and said, quote, he can't help himself. He broke his own rule. He always said he knew the only way he can get away with everything he did was to stay under the radar. But now he's gone and blown it. Right? Yikes! So, a lot. oh man! So on if top he was, of this, yeah, on, on top of this, we also found out, and this is the the flight part, that in two thousand and five, February of two thousand and five, uh, Clinton flew on Epstein's private jet 
visiting Japan, Taiwan, and China. We did not previously know this. Uh, Clinton also flew on a private jet owned by billionaire Ron Burkle with Ghislaine Maxwell, at, with Ghislaine Maxwell as a passenger during a trip to India in November of 2003. These two trips were not previously disclosed until now. Uh, this is another thing that Vicki Ward is uncovering. Um, and she says that uh, the 2003 trip, Maxwell was on the plane with Clinton because she was fleeing from Epstein. Uh, Maxwell was considered by Clinton's personal staff to be just as important as Epstein for raising money for the Clinton Foundation. How are you fleeing from Epstein if you're on his private plane? Yeah. Well, no, Clinton flew on Epstein's private plane in February of 2005. In November of 2003, Maxwell was on Ron Burkle's plane oh, with Burkle's. Clinton to escape uh, from Epstein when their relationship started to cool. Man. Doesn't end. So the theory is, if I could sum this up. Sum it up, big man. The theory is Epstein was working for all different types of government in intelligence gathering and blackmail and influence and arms and all that stuff. And then once his usefulness ran out and once he poked his head above water, the theory goes he was disappeared. He was made suicide. Gone. That's Arrested the theory. and then suicided. Yeah. Now, I mean, when you look at the intersections of all of this, which person was in government and then, well, out of government, used that connection to then raise more money for their foundation. I mean, that involvement is insane. This is this just keeps getting, you know, there's just another layer and another layer. Look, the odds are that everything was above water and this is a series of 4,000 coincidences to make the Clintons look bad. Okay, maybe, but... I mean, really? I don't know, man. I mean, when it all comes back to the gross stuff, like how much of the gr like this doesn't seem to. Uh, Ep so Epstein was working for, let's say he was working for the government and all that stuff, but the gross stuff was real. I mean, it happened, right? Well, I mean, it's well, not like he that was a cover or anything. What's interesting about this is as he's going around and being a whatever for all these governments, he's also doing all this stuff. He's also doing this stuff. gross stuff on the side. Yeah. So that's where that sh stuff comes in. And whether or not people knew about all that stuff, I don't even think it matters because you're talking about arms dealers and drug people and, and government people who don't give a shit. Like, you know, I don't. I'm sure they're not like, oh, you want to run arms for us? Well, do you have a resume that I could look at? Or yeah, you, and I'm you know? sure they're not. Yeah, I'm sure the people who are uh, intelligence gatherers and blackmailers and all this stuff are not the, you know, Mother Teresas of the world. Yeah, I don't think you can be. I mean, I again, I think all those people who... I mean, you could be that those people without being gross about it, absolutely. without doing the, the gross stuff. But I, I mean, I think, and I, maybe I'm just too many James Bond movies or Marvel movies, but it kind of feels like even when you start off with great intentions, and I'm sure some people start off with great intentions and end with great intentions and have a wonderful career protecting our freedoms. But it feels like a lot of people, you, in order to do your job well, you have to kind of cross that line of morality from time to time. And, I, and it's not an easy spot do to Do you? Be in. Maybe, but 
I mean, unless you're gun to your head, I mean, what, you know, you could, uh, no. unless you're being influenced in a negative way, someone's like, oh, you, uh, your family, this, you're that, you know, I mean, you got to try your best to stay above board. Yeah. I guess. I found this all to be really interesting. I hope the audience did too. Let us know in the comments. But I'm going to have to re-listen because a lot of that. It's a lot. It's a lot. A lot of it I've seen. I've seen pieces of it here and there. I've seen this website. People have been like, Ant, read this. Okay, I go there and I read. And you see things and it's hearsay and it's this or it's that. But to hear it all come from Hoffenberger, and again, if he's lying about half of it, even still if he's lying about half of it, thought Vicky did a great job of able to kind of confirm some parts of it and this and that. This is like where you have a real true journalist who's getting sources, who's confirming what she can, telling you what's not confirmed, trying to piece it together. You know, yeah. this is something that I feel like here's the first time it's like, hey, here's here's all the here's the puzzle. This is this is what it looks like right now. This is what we've got. These are the pieces. Right. What's real, what's not. Right. It'll it'll come out, but at least we have the, the first steps. Exactly. Exactly. My goodness. It's so I much. I don't know how. I mean, this is just the stuff we know. I mean, I don't know how the hell these people who are investigating keep a track of all this stuff. Or sleeping at night. I mean, Jesus, that too. it's brutal to go through all this. Uh, but let's bring in Maddie Gates and his connection to Epstein. Great. He recently hired the legal firm that was used by Epstein and others uh, campaign reports show. He spent $135,000 on legal expenses in the past year as his troubles have mounted. Uh, also using this, this uh, firm, El Chapo, uh, I believe John Gotti. Uh, so these cats have been around for a little while, but Matt Gates is their uh, latest, latest client. And that's Wonderful. not not look again not a great track record so far for the no. for that law firm like if you're matt gates and you're being accused of what you're being accused of you want to keep your name separated from epstein as much as you possibly can that plus you want to go through the law firm's history and say all right the big names how many did they win you named three that they didn't <laughs> <laughs> exactly right those are yeah. all you know swings and misses yeah I mean, maybe go, for, I don't know, get some other law firm that has a better track record. Yeah. Just, um, I don't know. Let's get into uh, Trump and Pence, but uh, let's take a moment to uh, point out. Oh, good. ShopAnthonyOnAir.com store wide open. We've got uh, tons of new stuff, including JSAB's new shirt, Long Pumps Only. I love that shirt. Seems to be catching a little bit of fire right now in the store. I'd bring up a picture of it but it, it just says long pumps only it's text yeah. on a shirt You're yeah fine. but it's great <laughs> yeah. it's fantastic so uh go check it out shopanthonyonair.com link is in the description below and also as i've said you can support the show on a monthly basis like 99 cents or 99 whatever you want to do if you can there is a link in the description below uh to support the podcast please do so if you enjoy the content that we keep pumping out here very much appreciated by the way, because we have to get Frank another easel because he's using his best easel right now as set decoration. So we got to get him another one. First of all, it's not my best easel. It's my oh, it's very not. first easel that I've oh. had for the last like 25 years. You have multiple easels? Easy? I have two easels. Okay. One easel is holding up the iPad 
that is uh, recording <laughs> me right now. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, Trump and the Pence January 6th thing. So there's a new book called I Alone Can Fix It. So take what you will for this, the same thing that we talk about with the last guy who wrote the book about uh, Trump, who did have access and interviewed Trump, by the way. That's yes, part of did. it. Um, and interviewed a lot of people in the thing. Uh, but again, still trying to sell books, so take sure. that stuff for what you will. This is the same thing. Um, but this book goes really in-depth on the last year of the Trump presidency, which, you know, and before I even read this, I felt like it. a lot of his... You, look, we all know how Frank feels about President Trump. We all know how a lot of people feel about President Trump. I feel like I've been as neutral as possibly can be. I've, I've given him credit where I felt he deserved credit. I've criticized him where I felt he deserved criticism. So he as sucks. fair as I can be, I really feel like, and I think Worst most fair people ever. would say this. Worst most fair people would say this. The fourth year of his presidency unraveled a bit. And I, sure, a lot of that had to do with the pandemic. But I also no, think a lot, a lot of, of that, that had to do with his response to the pandemic. Okay, however you want to say it. I, I will also, say it that way. I also think a lot of it had to do with his management style, which by his own admission is chaotic. He think he loves to put people in a room and have them play off each other and have him pick a side. And, uh, you know, it's the same kind of the same way he you saw him on. Uh, what was his the show Apprentice? there? The Apprentice. Yeah. It's kind of is, the way he ran his company and kind of the way right. he ran the country. The problem is we hired a game show host to be the president. That's the problem. When, it, it was, when you boil it all down, let's get to the real thing is we had a game show host run the country for four years. That's and there was a lot of staff turnover that would point to this fact being true. Or convictions. Sure. <laughs> turnover, convictions, whatever you want to say. All right, so... That be so. I, I'm bringing that up because what we see in this book, these excerpts that have been released, is essentially that you see a lot of little bits of chaos here in how he runs his managerial staff, how he likes to put that all together with everybody. Mm-hmm. There's, there's two big parts. There. Let's go into part one. Um. Part one is from Trump's side. Part two, we'll get into it from Pence's side. Uh, the book, I Alone Can Fix It. This is an excerpt that was put into the Washington Post uh, just yesterday. Reporters Carol Lenning and Philip Rucker detailed tense moments at the White House on the lead up to the uh, Capitol riots on January 6th. The Post reporters wrote that Trump was going over his planned remarks for the rally uh, protesting the election results, some of those around him, quote, encouraged his fantasy of Pence, the hero, stepping in to overturn the election. Kimberly Gulfoyle, who I just have a real hard time with that name. Gulfoyle? Gulfoyle? I think it's Gulfoyle. Then I'll never get it. Like brewery. It takes a lot of effort That's on my a tough part. One. And I get it wrong most times. Uh, that Don- that's Donald Trump Jr.'s girlfriend, along with Trump Jr., Ivanka, and Eric Trump, were all present at a meeting. She reportedly told the president that the crowd gathered to hear him speak. Uh, the ga- the crowd that gathered to hear him speak was reflecting the will of the people. 
Senior Who White House. That? Guilfoyle? Guilfoyle said this. In a meeting with all of them. Not said this person. Said the crowd outside is reflecting the will of the people. Senior White House officials Stephen Miller, Mark Meadows, Keith Kellogg, and Eric Hirschman were also present in the room, according to the book. Ivanka. Now, we've heard a little schism between Ivanka and her dad. Mm -hmm. Ivanka grew frustrated with the advice that was given to her father and at one point said, this is not right. It's not right. Uh, Former President Trump later called Pence, who was slated to oversee congressional certification of President Biden's election win and reportedly told him, you don't have the courage to make a hard decision. According to the book, Pence had repeatedly attempted to explain that as vice president, he did not have the constitutional authority to block certification of the election results as the president wanted him to. He only oversees it and yeah, it basically he had gets no handed right to, to him. do right. He had no right constitutionally to do anything about the election results. But of course Trump does not understand that. As in most procedures, the vice president is basically useless and his place is in the it's in kind of ceremonial Congress. It's ceremonial only if there's a tiebreaker vote that is needed in the senate does he does the vice president actually get to do something um according to the book president uh pence repeatedly tried to explain this to the president uh while listening to the phone call ivanka trump reportedly said quietly to kellogg mike pence is a good man kellogg responded saying i know that let this ride take a deep breath we'll come back at it uh, the Hill reached out to Trump for comment. It wasn't returned. Uh, the incident is just one of several in the book that is going to be released this coming Tuesday, all about the last year of Trump in office. There was other excerpts that CNN had published, which I, this one feels a little strange to me. I want to get your opinion on this. The chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Mark Miley, or Milley, I'm not Milley. sure, Milley, uh, and other top military officials were concerned that Trump would stage a coup or take other illegal actions following the election loss. The former president responded in a statement Thursday saying, I never threatened or spoke about or spoke about to anyone a coup of our government. If I was going to do a coup, one of the last people I would want to do it with is General Mark Miley, Milley. But I think he misinterpreted it. The story there is Milley basically said, that he had a meeting with the Joint Chiefs and said that if they were asked to do anything, that they wouldn't. Right. Which feels kind of weird in one sense and not weird in another sense. Like, one, nobody's asking you to do that. Like, nobody asked you to. Um, it feels weird to have, like, that meeting or whatever to discuss it. But on the other hand, if it wasn't, like, a meeting that they called for and he was just like, Hey, we're all on the same page here. Like, you know, everybody, you know, we're not going to have a, any sort of part in this. It doesn't feel that bad to me. I don't know what the nature of it all was. On one hand, it feels a little overzealous. And on the other hand, it feels naturally proactive. I'm not entirely sure. Sounds kinda, proactive to me, but I don't, I, I guess I would need more information on that conversation. But I mean, if, if, if somebody reached out to them and was like, listen, uh, we might need you guys to step. Then I would be like, okay, you're justified in having that sort of. Yeah. Once. Uh, so basically, recap it again for me, because he's saying that Trump wanted them to. I'm a little confused on. Go, on ahead. The, go ahead. Tell me what, what, it ha what ha had happened with that. With Millie? Like, yeah. Okay. 
Because Millie, Millie basically turned around and, and, ha and said to the other joint chiefs, if we're asked to do anything, we're not going to get involved. We're not stepping with in. With what? With January 6th. With, with Trump. If, he's basically saying if, the, if Trump asks, if Trump orders the military to do something, that they would not, that they would all, this is what he said, they would all subsequently resign the joint chiefs and not follow his order. What if did it, he think they were going to do, that, that Trump was going to order them to do? To to help him help to help him, his, his to help him overthrow correct. coup. Well, that's good. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with having that thought of like, oh, if I'm asked to do something, I'm not going to do it. But calling for a meeting, which I'm not sure if he did. I know he did speak to the other Joint Chiefs. Again, feels a smidge on the overzealous side, or is he I just being proactive, proactive because in his role? that threat was was not far fetched. Well, because here's the other thing: what did Millie know? Because obviously it kind of feels like he knew something. Because you got to remember, there was a lot of buzz and talk leading up to the six there. Yeah. I mean, even on the internet, people were like, look out for the six. Like, wait until the sixth comes. Exactly. Like, I remember that being a pretty big buzz on the internet in days before. We were all like, well, what's going to happen on the sixth? And Trump himself in, on his tweets Stay, stay tuned for the sixth or be there on the really sixth. It's going to be wild. Yeah, that's what he said. Um, and it just it, being in Millie's position, I feel like it's a proactive. Listen, if the Trump, if Trump orders us to take part in any kind of overthrow, or that's not what we're about, let's just all get on the same page. I think that's fine. Here's the other part of it. Uh, here's the the side from Pence's point of view. Uh, oh, and so basically, I'm sorry. Did I answer your question? Because what yeah. I said, what I read then from Trump was Trump's response to this story coming out. Because Trump was like, if I was going to have a coup with anybody, I wouldn't have a coup with, with Millie. Well, of course, but, he's going to say that now. Yeah. I mean, you look at uh, what Millie said in the testimonies, like when, when he was talking about it. Uh, he was, you know, we have to. He was for all for the investigation and all this stuff. And so, he, of course, he's not on Trump's side. So... Anybody who's against Trump, why would Trump want them on his side? So here's the, here's, here's the point of view from Pence. According, again, to this book, Pence reportedly refused to leave the Capitol, which actually is true. We know he refused to, to leave the Capitol. That we know happened. Mm -hmm. But he, this book is saying that he didn't leave... All right, here. he's presiding over the joint session of Congress. Pence right. was leading the certification of the results. Trump wanted him to abandon uh, the results, the Constitution. obviously, the, the, the thing. When a crowd of Trump supporters breached the Capitol complex about an hour into the certification process, Secret Service agents swiftly escorted Pence to his ceremonial office near the Senate floor. The book says... Pence security detail was worried for his safety because the room they were in had glass windows that rioters could break. This is again all according to this book. Tim Giebel's Pence's lead security agent asked the vice president twice to evacuate the building, but Pence didn't want to bow down to the rioters and flee the scene according to the book. I'm not leaving the Capitol, he told Giebel's. According to the book, Giebel's tried a third time telling Pence, the room you're in is not secure. I need to move you. We're going, Giebel said. 
The protective detail then ushered Pence along with his wife, Karen, daughter, Charlotte, and his brother, Representative Greg Pence of Indiana, down a staircase to his armored limousine, the book says. Pence refused to get in the car. I trust you, Tim, he said, but you're not driving the car, Pence told Giebel's, the book says. If I get in that vehicle, you guys are taking off. I'm not getting in that car. Pence and his family then waited out the riot from an underground but undisclosed location inside the Capitol. He was adamant that Congress finished the work that same night, the book says. We need to get back tonight, Pence told top lawmakers and defense officials on a call. According to the book, we can't let the world see that our process of confirming the next president can be delayed. Uh, Congressional leaders Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell also wanted to stand their ground against the rioters and complete the election. That's uh, commendable on Pence, on Pence's part, that he didn't want to leave. He didn't want to show that the rioters had any kind of power over the the process. Right, but he's alluding to the fact that if he were to get in that car, they were going to take off and he wasn't going to be able to get back. So he basically told his detail guy, Tim, that he trusts him, but he doesn't trust the guy driving the car that what trump ordered him to take the pre- the vice president away and and what and that- what you read to me uh, sounded like before i heard this before i heard the story i see what you mean but once you read it it sounded to me like he the guy who was driving the car was going to take pence and everybody away from the capitol and the process would never be finished of uh confirming the new president it sounded like pence was just concerned that he was going to be taken away from the Capitol. That's all his concern was. He didn't want to leave the Capitol so he can finish his job. That's what that's what it sounded like to me when you read that. Didn't sound like he was untrustworthy of anybody being in any kind of nefarious position. It sounded like he just didn't want to leave the Capitol because he didn't want to get in the car because the car was going to take him away from the Capitol. That's all it sounded like to me. Maybe I, there's some more that I'm not uh you know that that i'm not reading into but it just sounds like he didn't want to leave the capital because he wanted to go back in and finish that's being object as objective as i can be um some people are saying uh tony or not or Nato, who oversaw the secret service movements said that this conversation never took place or that but yeah. why would the Secret Service confirm anything? You know, if you're the yeah, Secret Service, but, oh, someone but asks again, you, what did the Secret Service do? You're not going to be like, yeah, we did all that. <laughs> granted, I, I agree with you, Frank. But if they were to take him away, they could easily take him back. He's not getting in that car because he fears that they're never going to take him back to finish that the day job. or whenever. They're going to just keep him. It's going to go on and on. Because during that moment, we didn't know when this was going to end. We didn't know how long the rioters were going to be in that building. He wanted to stay and try to get back in as soon as possible i'm i'm trying to devil's advocate this and say pence maybe was trying i'm not the biggest pence fan but maybe he was trying to stick around and and do the Wait, right did thing did you say pants or pence i couldn't hear you because i know you love shorts i do i do love shorts i'm not okay. the biggest pants fan i'm not the biggest pence fan just confirming but i'm trying to be i'm trying to give the benefit of the doubt and hopefully pence was going you know what this guy's going to, he doesn't know that I've, uh, the conversations I've had with you, Tim. So he doesn't know that I want to stay here and keep this. He's just going to drive me away and I'm not going to get back here for another week or so or whatever. 
and to finish all this. Maybe he just wanted to stick around so he could finally sign off on the new president and get yeah. it over with. I don't know. I'll, I'll give Pence credit. Uh, he must really hate the Democrats because he, the fact that he hasn't flipped on this guy who clearly wouldn't have minded if if they whacked him that day. I mean, honestly, let's be honest. Let's call it. You know what? Like, hey, the, the rioters had, and he never said anything about it, I don't think, Trump, but the rioters themselves had a freaking noose that they brought to, yeah. the, to the Capitol. And what were they going to do with it? Was it, you know, just a symbol or was it, then they were, I think they were yelling, hang Pence. I think they were yelling that. At of some course point. they were. So, I mean, and did Trump come out and say, no, 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 Pence is a great guy. Pence is a great guy. Don't do, you know. No, he scrutinized the shit out of him that day and, and days subsequently after that. That's the thing with with Donald Trump. I mean, if I can get on my soapbox but for let's, a second. But let's hop, off of, let's hop just, off of Trump for a second. Like, for Pence, for that, that sort, look, when, you, when you're part of a team like that, when you're one and one A, right? When you're boss mm -hmm. and under boss. When you're, I didn't mean to say it like that. That was really, I, that was, that was a bit what? of my, my culture coming out. What do you mean? <laughs> Unnecessarily, boss and underboss. Like, I mean, when you're, when you're manager and assistant to the regional manager, okay, you've agreed, you've agreed. That's a pact. That's a team. You know what I'm saying? That's a. Yeah, but everybody knows that. I feel like the president and the vice president don't really work together on most things. No, I don't think that's true. I, I, I don't. According think I, to the TV shows that I've seen. I mean, I know they I know they're off doing a lot of different things and some 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 of them are closer than others for sure. Absolutely. But my point is, is that that there was a pretty big. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Partnership. The, yes. But my point is, is there was a he sold him out. Trump sold him yeah, out pretty big hard. time. And for Pence to not feel what's betrayed. And then to, to, to subsequently, in the last few months, kind of go back at Trump, I'm very surprised by that. Very, very surprised. He is not really, not. He's stayed in line with the Republican. I mean, I'm I think not surprised of, by it because I think he sees 2024 coming. Depends. And I don't think, I think until 2024 is over. And well, you think Trump, he wants back in as VP? No, no. I think if Trump is not reelected, then he might come out with something. But um, if Trump gets reelected, he might be a little worried about his well-being. Here's the thing. And I know there's a lot of people who will love Trump out there. But if you're Mike Pence and you did all you could during that presidency... And a lot of people praised him for some of the things that he did. When there were moments when they felt like the president had kind of gone AWOL, Pence was still there kind of like holding down the fort as best he could, just being the VP. Wouldn't you be like, I could be the next president in 2024? Like, Not I anymore. could be the guy. I could beat him. I could Not put anymore. together. He's tur Trump's turned his followers against Pence right at the end. He said, nope, Pence isn't our guy. If he doesn't overturn this thing, he's not our guy anymore. So it's, I'm telling you, once you could be lifelong Trump supporter, you turn on him once. You, you, you follow your morals. You do the right thing. And it happens to be the opposite of what Trump wants. Agreed. You're on his shit list. And you're and out. I, 
I know Trump's popularity is still very high. And it's disgusting. But at the same time, I think there's a lot of Republicans, and I think there's a lot of middle of the road, like myself, that look at this and go, mm, I don't know if I want to put that road ahead. But if somebody more, a more responsible version, like Pence, or just vote the plate, I think he would do really well. It's not, he's not, you can't, just because he was the vice president doesn't make him a more responsible version of Trump. And again, not. I'm not saying split the ticket and run for president, but you could challenge in a primary. Yeah, of course you could. You but could I, give it a shot. I mean, could. we all know that Pence wants to be president. I don't think Pence wanted to be vice president and that's it. I think Pence wanted Maybe. to be vice president so that he could be president one day. Possibly. That's a very strong possibility. I, I don't and, see why not, but... And let's be honest, Frank, he's off the ticket. I mean, there's no way it's not going to be DeSantis Absolutely. If, it, if DeSantis doesn't run himself. It's not so. Pence again. It's not. Just because he betrayed him. Pence betrayed Trump in, that, in his eyes. And that, God forbid. Excuse me. Pence Excuse me. Excuse me. You went against the family. Okay. You, you did what the Constitution said, not what Trump said. And how could you do that? <laughs> It doesn't matter what the law is. It doesn't Miguel, matter what the rules Miguel, are. I know it was you, okay? I know it was you. You broke, you broke my heart. My heart. <laughs> you went against the family. How could you go against the family? You broke my heart, Miguel. You broke my heart. <laughs> Smacks him in the face. I can't do it. It's, it's ridiculous. That's how he treats... Tell, that's how he treated his position as president, as the now, godfather. listen, on January 6th, the fact the story that President Trump pulled up in a limo while all the chaos was going on and he opened the door and he said, Pence, Pence, get in the limo. You're still my VP. You're still my brother. I can't confirm that, Frank. You can't, I can't or deny it. it. Yeah. We weren't there. Yeah. That could have happened. See, I thought if you look closely in one of the one of the shots, I thought I saw um, Trump with an orange peel in his mouth <laughs> walking around. <laughs> That's what I thought I saw. I, I could be mistaken. I don't know, though. Oh, you're spelling it. You're spelling it. <laughs> <laughs> Look what they did to my boy. They massacred my boy. Look what they did to my presidency. They massacred my presidency. They massacred my presidency. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, it's unreal. It really is. I, I, it's crazy. I don't see how anybody, I mean, okay, I'm not even going to get it to, everybody knows how I feel about Trump. No, listen, I feel like, again, I'm way more fair than you are. I, again, I'm fair. I just, well, there's fair and then there's being logical, like, being fair doesn't mean that this person and this person are equal people. Being fair is looking at everything and being objective and making a decision. I'm being fair, but if... If it walks like a duck, you have to give it a. It's fair. I just a duck. I just feel like no politician ever should be loved as much as this guy is being. Not loved. at all. It, it, it's it's crazy. Hundred percent. When you look at it objectively, again, even objectively, and I feel like I can get some of my more level-headed Republican friends to admit this. Like the guy was a mediocre to okay president at best. That at is best. being ridiculously generous. He did nothing for anybody but rich people. Yeah, he donated his salary, a hundred grand, big fucking deal. He's apparently a billionaire, allegedly, but his hundred thousand. Yeah, he did that for the press. He did that so he could say, "Oh, look at 
What could I bid? I donated my hundreds. Excuse grand. me. Excuse me. We're gonna be bigger than U.S. Steel. Okay. We're gonna be bigger than U.S. Coal. Steel. We have beautiful coal. We clean coal because we clean it. We go in and we clean the coal. He didn't know how anything worked. He didn't understand the government. He just jumped in. It's like you're on a plane and someone stood up and said, "I want to be the pilot." Well, do you have any experience being a pilot? No, but I'm gonna be the pilot, and I don't care what anybody says. And if anybody doubts that I could be the pilot, then you're, I'm going to throw you off the plane. And they just let him go right up to the cockpit and go, hey, fly the plane for us. And that's what happened. And he didn't know what he was doing. They put him in the seat. And, and shit happened. And it was an unbelievable shit show for four years. It was psychotic tweets that everybody was fucking, like, ringing their, their like, like, oh, my God, what is he saying? What is he doing? And it just didn't end for four years. And... I am. Uh, I think I speak for a lot of people when I say I'm much more relieved that that tweet bullshit is over, and he's not insanely ranting about this shit anymore, and he doesn't have the power he has or he had. Excuse me. Is my credit good enough to buy you out? Well, you smack my brother around? Did you smack me? Never discuss no. business. You can't. No. Don't ask a man about his business. Um. Let's talk about James Gandolfini, Frank. Yes, please. Let's do that. Let's talk about a positive person. I mean, I mean, uh, this story has been. I think I heard this, but go ahead. I think I know what you're going to say. Tickling my fancy since I heard it yesterday, and I can't stop thinking about the possibilities of it. Um, James Gandolfini was up for a role in The Office. What role? Here's what happened. So Kevin. No, <laughs> that would be funny. Kevin's like stunt double. Yeah. Wouldn't that be hysterical if one day Kevin was just played by James Gandolfini and nobody acknowledged it in the what show? What the fuck is this? My papers? I got to sell papers? <laughs> <laughs> Where's my gabagool? <laughs> this is Kevin's chili. Here's the recipe. <laughs> All right. Uh, so here's what happened. Uh, Carell decides he's leaving. And so they want to continue the show and they know they got a couple more years. So they, the idea was is they were going to create this character who was going to come in and run the, the office for one year. That was going to be the, the role. It was be the guy who comes in for Steve Carell. It ultimately goes to James Spader, right? Um, and there was a couple of... What I found interesting, too, is there was a lot of... Uh, what's, what is it called when they do surprise guest roles? It's a quick cameo. There was a couple of cameos. Will Ferrell was in it. Ray Romano, Jim Carrey. They were all in those scenes that bridged from mm. Steve Carell to what eventually became James Spader. Um, but Gandolfini was up for the role. The Sopranos had ended a couple of years before that. And so the, the, the guys... That's amazing. Why, why turn that down? Listen to this story. The guys at the office go... You think we could get Gandolfini? I don't know. Let's reach out to him. Let's see. He gets the scripts or the or the arc or whatever they send him the idea, and he goes, "Yeah, I'm into it. I love the show." So push comes to shove. They talk. They agree. They make him. NBC makes him a four million dollar offer. offer. I couldn't refuse. <laughs> Sorry. Couldn't a four resist. million offer. I don't know how, but HBO gets wind of this. Now, again, remember, this is like in the, the, the years right after The Sopranos. HBO gets wind of this and offers him $3 million 
not to take it because they felt like if he was going to be the wacky funny guy on this the on the office it would ruin the legacy of That's tony bold. soprano and the sopranos that doesn't make any sense though. i gotta tell other. you i agree with it i think no. they did the right thing why i do he's allowed to be and he's an actor he's not really tony soprano i think people will realize that people will watch the sopranos and appreciate tony soprano but once they see james gandolfini is an actor and can do other roles i mean he wasn't he played um what was he was in what's that one uh, surviving christmas he was kind of goofy yep he was in the the movie with and i didn't see it but i want to see it with uh, julia louis dreyfus oh great movie I mean, he doesn't have to be Tony Soprano in every role. I don't remember the name of the, that movie, but I've seen it. And it is, he is so wonderful. It is so, it's not like, oh my God, the greatest movie of all time. But I feel like he was more himself in that role because mm -hmm. he was just this nice, like, he was he funny was, and charming. And he took a role, he was in the incredible Burt Wonderstone. Yeah, he was in that. He was like the the casino owner who hires, you know, and he was he was funny. He had some funny stuff. I mean, he wasn't like he wasn't Tony Soprano in it. He was in the one with Julia Roberts too, where he plays like a gay assassin, which was a good was a great like, role. Oh, he should have been in the off. That would have been okay, great. Here's the thing, and 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 I agree. I I think he would have like it wouldn't have ruined the Sopranos. It was already done. It was over. For somebody who loves The Sopranos and The Office as much as I do, like this is like a dream come true. I would love to see it happen. But I agree with HBO, and here's why. All the shit that you just said, all of the movies and whatever, came and went. They were little bit parts. Most people who probably love Gandolfini and they're watching or listening to this probably forgot. They're like, oh, yeah, I forgot he was in that. Because all of those things, and, and even Surviving Christmas, as much as it kind of sticks in everybody's mind, they're fleeting roles. Yeah. The Office is one of the all-time iconic television sure. shows. It's a different. It's Why can't a he be on two game. iconic shows? It's a different game. I I think it's a different thing because you take a movie role. Okay, you do this. You're gonna play that. It's opposite of Tony Soprano. It's all well and good. He should be able to do whatever he wants. I agree. See, you just made the mistake. It's opposite James Gandolfini. Right, but but I think that oh, it's opposite the character. I got it. Got it. Opposite the character. I think that if you take if you step into the office, it's a different game because the office is going to live on for all time. We're going to be watching the office so, through through chips in our head when we can do you right. know that's well, that's so as an actor, you're only allowed to be in one no legendary show in your lifetime. I I I think it's really difficult. I'm not even talking about for an actor. For an actor, I feel like actors should be able to do it. But if you're HBO, it's really it difficult away. to let the face of your network. He it wasn't just a role. Yeah. It wasn't just a TV show. You look back at any marketing material from when the time that that show started, even to today with HBO Max, that man's face is still. Yeah, centered, and he is the face of that network, and Granted. they were protecting an asset Granted. of theirs. Granted, however, wouldn't you want that face?
to be more popular and reach other audiences. And then when they look at him, oh, it's James Gandolfini. I wonder what else he's in. No, they because see him in The Sopranos. No, because here's the other part of it. I think they always had a movie in mind. I don't think it was always a prequel. I think they always had a movie in mind. And I think they always felt like between DVDs and streaming services, which they all knew was on the horizon, they knew there was money to be made off of that character and that show for years to come. Still and they, is. They didn't want that to be compromised at all by him. Because let's be honest, if he goes on, he would have killed it. He would have been spectacular in it. Of course and he would have. I don't know if people would have then stayed enamored with his role they, as Tony. Because they would have been flocking to the new, more exciting shit. It's not like they wouldn't still watch The Sopranos. I mean, it's a different show. It's a different genre. It's like, it's like Julia Louis-Dreyfus was on legendary show Seinfeld. And then she went on to Veep, which, yeah, it might not be The Office, but it's still a huge show. And it's still one of the big shows on HBO. I love Veep, but it's no office. No, of course not. But it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus on two huge shows. Different characters completely. I agree. But here, can I say, can I tell you what I think the difference is? No. <laughs> and why I think it really, and this really matters. Good. Because she created Selena Meyer, her character in Veep. She started at, at Ground Zero and built it up. It would have been the same for The Office. It's different because that show was already legend. The show was yeah, already the character massive. would have been something else. The character would have been something else, but the show and, and everything else had already been established. It's a, it's a different thing when you're stepping into... So if The Office... Well, all right, it was already a legendary show. It's like when Brett Favre went to the Jets, people were like, this is bullshit. And it's like when... Dan Marino threatened to leave the Dolphins to go somewhere else. Like, you just, you that's, never... That's different, though. Sopranos has ended. If, if the Dolphins folded, folded up shop and they were no longer the Dolphins, then Dan Marino can go wherever he wants. Yeah, but you'd never see... It's those legacy things. That's so why... Talk, so if, if the Dolphins folded up shop, Dan Marino couldn't be on any, any team at all ever. He had to end his career. No, he could, but it's not like the Dolphins would fold up shop, but sometimes the Dolphins decide, hey, Dan, I think your best years are past you, and we have to move to... Look at uh, look at Tom Brady. Yeah. It's the same thing. They were like, we're not re-signing you. We think your best years are behind you, and Tom Brady moves on. Now, he wins a championship, so it all works out okay, but if he doesn't, everybody and their brother would be talking about how he tarnished his legacy by playing that last two or three awful years with the, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Maybe. However, The Office, having been already established as a legendary show, he would have just been a part of that, and it wouldn't have tarnished. It would have been part of the legend. But even if it does, you're looking at it from Gandolfini's perspective and Tom Brady's that's what perspective. I, that's what I'm saying. You're not thinking about the Sopranos, HBO, and the Patriots. Like, look at how shitty the Patriots turned out in all this. They fucking lost, and their guys out there, guys out there, won a championship off of them. Now suddenly, their legacy it doesn't feel so great anymore, does it? Yeah, but it's different. It's apples and oranges because they're not rewatching. You know, they still have the Patriots fans. They're not rewatching 
the old uh yeah but ask any patriots fans they don't feel as great about the whole thing like right, right. now belichick doesn't look as much of a genius but because... if Sopra right but if sopranos was coming back without gandolfini and gandolfini was on the office then i see your point because but if if Gandolfini is still part of the Sopranos, which he is, you can't take that away. It's like when they remade Ghostbusters with uh, you know the female cast. It doesn't take anything away from the originals. It's it's still they still exist and they're still a legend and they're still amazing. And just because I don't know, I think that's why they're it. rushing out that one with that new one with uh, what's they his didn't name. They're rushing out. They actually delayed it a lot. Paul Rudd. Yeah, but I don't think they could have made that movie at any time. They decided to go with the girl one, and now I feel like they're scrambling because that was so such a shitty movie. It was shitty, and it's not because there were women in it. It was just shitty. Wasn't it? What? No, they were all great act. I loved all of them. Oh, are we pretending that women great. can carry a movie now? Is that what we're yeah, doing? Yes. But they were all <laughs> trying to be the same character. They were all trying to be Peter Venkman's, and it didn't work. Plus, no, the ghosts was... were all the ghosts were all like non who, you know, like it was who gives a shit ghost they were they were like um you know what are they called MacGuffins. they were just whatevers oh is that right there was no like slimer there was no big you know the big ghost at the end was not the stay puff marshmallow man and it wasn't these legendary yeah, but, characters okay well, it wasn't the problem that okay here's my problem with this mm -hmm. with that you tell mm -hmm. me if i'm wrong you're wrong when they're trying to immediately rectify a situation and be like, I have a great idea. Wouldn't it be great if we put all women in that role? Now, mm -hmm. on the surface, I agree, but it has to organically work. When you jam it in just to have women in there for women's sake, I, it what happens happened. But yeah. if they were to able to be like, hey, we want this, it would be great to tell it from a woman's perspective and get it in there and make it a fluid part of the story it probably would have worked a hell of a lot better than what it turned out to be. But it was like, at least, I mean, I granted it's ghost and it's ghost, it's ghosts and it's ghost busting, but at least Ghostbusters, the originals were, I don't want to say believable, but the characters were believable. Right. The, the four of them. And even the, you know, the, the secretary or everybody in that movie was a believable person. Yeah. They had these four people that were just not how anybody acts. And they even had Chris Hemsworth playing the secretary, and he was just an un—not believable person. It, right. He was trying to be funny for funny's sake. Because they were like, just okay. Because when you do, when your when your reason, the reason to have the women they made in the lead is just to have a different cast. Right. The, to have to be like, I want to write a movie with women in a lead. Great. There's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. But when your whole concept is based off of no you don't get it we're just reversing genders that's when it all falls apart because that's not how a story is built no and not only that i mean it's partially that but it's also the writing it was just not funny it was there was like a million fart jokes it's like this is not you know we're not yeah. signed up for this this is we need some intelligent jokes here and like there was a joke there was a running gag through the whole thing she lived their office was above a chinese restaurant and she got it delivered first. Why would you get it delivered? It's right downstairs. Second, the running gag was she would get a big quart of wonton soup and there'd be one wonton in it. And that was the gag. And I was like, she, she would complain about, oh, one wonton. What a, it's like, who wrote that? Like, that's not funny. It's just a stupid, lame gag. You're, nothing, none of it made sense. That's, it's not believable. 
And it's just, it was a waste of, a mo- of an opportunity. They could have done so much with these actors that were, are really good at what they do, but the writing was just awful. You just reminded me of a, of a Curb bit. Do, do, you have, do you remember early on in Curb, he would order Chinese food, yeah. and there wasn't a lot of shrimp in one of the dishes? Okay. And, he, and he, so he's like, what's going on here? So he goes down to the Chinese place, and he goes, let me ask you a question. So how many, uh, how many shrimp you put in the thing? And without missing a beat, the guy goes, 12. And he goes, you, you, so you have an exact number? He goes, oh, yeah, no, 12 shrimp in the, in the, in the thing. And so the premise was is they, they had delivered it to the wrong house. They returned it. So he thought the, the other guy had eaten some of the shrimp and closed the thing out, and he was right. But it was, it's the same sort of joke, but the idea of that, like, there was an not, exact though. number. Yeah, but it's not, no, it wasn't, it's... Well, it's, it's a little bit of a different joke, but I, I, get I get you could see a clear, clear container with right. one noodle floating in it. It's like, right. oh, every time, every time they send it, it's one noodle. It's like, yeah, that's not even close to a joke. It's just like you're watching it going, ah, oh, she got one noodle. It's, it's hard oh. to make. Uh, it's hard to make comedy, especially in a movie. You know. Yeah, but that's why we're not making the movies. I mean, there's professional writers out there that can do this stuff. You want to know what's funny? I was just reading an interview with the Farrelly brothers, and they were talking about the fact that Dumb and Dumber didn't really do all that well in the box office when it, when it had come out. Did you know, by the way, that... Um, who's the guy in Dumb and Dumber? Not Jim Carrey, the other one. Oh, I love Jeff, Jeff Daniels. Daniels. You know Jeff Daniels took that role? Guess how much he got paid? Oh, not a lot at all. It was a lot. Like, uh, 50 grand. 50 grand, okay. Um, uh... Jim Carrey, because whatchamacallit, just came out and exploded right before they signed the Ace deal. Ace Ventura? Ace Ventura took $7 million, and the budget for the movie was $16 million, and Jeff Daniels took fifty grand because the studio hated him and didn't want him. And so the Farrelly brothers were like, we're making it with him. Jim Carrey was like, I only want to make it with him. So the studio, to try and get to piss him off so that he would leave offered him 50 grand and i think despite the studio he was like all right thanks That's awesome because he's great it. he's he's phenomenal in it he's great i can't see it. anybody else doing it and he's he was great amazing. It. but i bring it up because so there so that movie flopped i forget what their second one was outside of providence or whatever eh, did okay their third movie is something about mary and they were talking about the fact that you know before they go out on the date and he's got the the jizz mm-hmm. hanging from his ear and she takes it thinks it's gel and puts it in her hair do you know that they shot alternative takes of that because they wanted to cover themselves in the event of when they showed it to audiences, mm-hmm. if they thought it was too gross and not funny, they shot other shit so that they can work around it and not even have that at all in the movie, which is so interesting because that smart. winds up being the standout moment that... Yeah. That makes that puts that movie on the map, really. But there they were, the geniuses behind it, even questioning themselves on whether or not they could make that work yeah. for comedy purposes in a movie. Yeah, no, that's smart writing. That's you know what you're doing, directing, and, and you know what to expect. You're anticipating yeah. laughs. You're anticipating reactions. When you watch a scene that you just filmed, and you can anticipate the audience's reaction. Uh, then you know you, you know what you're doing. I mean, I don't want to blow smoke up my own ass, but I mean, I kind of did the same thing when I brought JSABs on. I thought, well, if Frank can't can't handle the funny jokes and everything, at least we got JSABs in here to kind of the work around a little bit of work. That's why I only take fifty grand for this. <laughs> <laughs>
but getting back to Gandolfini, how great would it have been to have like Silvio and all the fucking guys showing up in the office and see they could have did that. They could have promoted the Sopranos on the office a little bit, a little bit. But that's what it would have turned into. You know, they would have had the other guys get Maybe. involved and do it something been hilarious, like a little like a warehouse uh, union problem. And there's Paulie Walnuts coming up to do the negotiating and shit like that. Yeah. Hey, you scumbag. <laughs> you freaking scumbag bastard. That would have been something else. Again, that's one of those things. What do they call that? Pandora's box where it's like, I would have loved to have seen it, but maybe maybe it was better off not, not coming to fruition. The legend by the is way, cool. Yeah. By the way, he took the three million and didn't do it. He took it. So, I mean, to take, let's say, four million and have to do all this work or three million and have to do no work probably the good move what would you have done i probably would have taken it to not do the work if i was already in sopranos if i was in nothing and they said four million to do the work and three million not i'd do the work because i wanted to be in something but if he's already tony soprano and he's james gandolfini and can do literally anything then he didn't have to do the office but he was a fan like he was he obviously wanted to have the conversations because he did i went back to the office and said Seven million. <laughs> you give me seven million, I'll do it. And you give me a gob of gold sandwich every day, and I'll do it. That's got to piss off some of the cast on the on um, the office, though, because you know they weren't making that money, and they were like, "What the fuck? I'm, we're here every day grinding this shit out." You think um, the two leads weren't making that money? Um, what's his, what's his name and what's her name? Jim and Pam. Jim and Pam. I don't know how much you think Jim and Pam were making towards the end. Because they really, they start carrying those, Jim, Pam, and uh, Ed Helms yeah. really start to carry the office in those seasons. How much do you think they made? Well, I don't think James Spader made $4 million. I'm sure he made a million, $2 million for, for because you look at him, he's not even in every episode in that season. He's in a lot of it, but he's not in every single episode. Yeah, we could speculate on what they made, but I feel like Jim and Pam probably made the most out of anybody. Hundred grand an episode? Yeah, I could see that. How many episodes did they have? Yeah, they were probably pulling in a hundred grand. Hundred grand an episode. Can you imagine if we got a hundred grand for for an episode? That would be. We would do four would episodes take, a year, I, right? <laughs> I would take a hundred grand a year to do this. <laughs> we would do four episodes a year. Like, all right, everybody, will see it. one one episode a season. Hey, yeah, it's oh, the fall nice. episode. Hey, that'd be good. I'm in. I'll wear a Santa Claus outfit. Whatever you want. Yeah, because if you think about it, Seinfeld they made a they made a million an episode, but that was Seinfeld. Didn't the Friends cast make around the same thing? But again, that was the Friends cast. Unreal. And and uh, the Office was a real ensemble show, so I don't know if they got, you know, to get that many paychecks. Yeah, but again, again, the set and the props, everything, nothing changed for the most part. They didn't have to do anything location-wise. Uh, Enough said was the movie with Julia Louis-Dreyfus, and I have to say this too: the greatest thing that that Gandolfini was in. My wife and I were lucky enough to see it, God of Carnage, which was a play. Was that Mamet? I think it was Mamet, uh, who I fucking love. Mamet is like a uh, a Sorkin. He's just you know, he's that that quick peppy dialogue, and you know who played opposite of Gandolfini, who was magical. Jeff Daniels. Nice. Jeff Daniels. It's a great play. It's about a, a, a couple of parents whose kids have an issue in school, 
mm-hmm. and they meet for drinks to kind of like hash it out and it's an hour and a half that the whole thing just falls apart and unravels and they're they're all Marsha Gay Harden was in it and who was the other who was the other wife I don't remember now but Jeff Daniels was so damn good that when Gandolfini left Jeff Daniels switched and played wow. Gandolfini's role Jeff Daniels man He's gangster, National especially treasure. when it comes to Broadway. He's a real strong Broadway awesome. actor. He's yeah. awesome. Which is really not easy to not easy to do at all. He does a lot of great stuff and he's versatile. He can do anything. Um before I talk about the government uh taking over my air conditioning system, uh I I'm obsessed with uh with Benefer, dude. Obsessed. Why? I don't know. I can't get over it. Why? Story today is that they went. Now, here's the thing. I heard that they were in the Hamptons this past week. Right. Okay. I know that. I know this to be true. The story today in the post is that they just went to look at a home in, I don't think this is Beverly Hills, Holmby Hills, which is in Los Angeles. Never heard of it. Cool. I never heard of it either. But it is a, you want to take a guess at how much this house is that they're looking at? You know me in guesses. I'll say. I know that's why I always ask for 25 mil. <laughs> 25. Fair guess. That's a fair guess. You're way off, but it's a okay. fair guess. Okay. $65 million. Do you need that much? Do you need that big a house? What is, what? Uh, what are they doing? I mean, unless it's built on top of the bat cave. Why, why do you need that much room and space? It's insanity. Maybe it is on top of the bat cave. That would be awesome. I mean, the house is gorgeous, but sixty-five million dollars. How could it be like, worth that much? How could any location be worth that much? I'll give you one clue for those of you that are watching and not listening. Uh, well, all right. So, four-lane bowling alley. Okay. <laughs> that's gonna be part of it. All right. That's that accounts for what? 250 grand? I don't know. How much does it take to to put in a bowling alley? Here's the thing with a bowling alley. And and it, a pool table is the same exact thing, just on a smaller degree. Way smaller and a lot more fun. And a lot more fun. But there's something like, how much can you actually do this? Like, I feel like these things are just put in homes just fucking... Have. Just, it's like, yeah. And especially bowling, like, again... I get a pool table and I love a pool table in the house. But even when you have a pool table in your house, when somebody calls you and is like, hey, you want to go to the pool hall and shoot some pool, have some beers? You're kind of like, yeah, I do. I want to be around people. I want to see people, yeah. you know, I'm gonna shoot pool by myself. Yeah. What am I doing? What, yeah. An idiot. <laughs> yeah. No, but like, I get it. Pool tables in the house. They're fun. You have a company over. You're playing pool. It's cool. I get it. Like, you got to go to a bowling alley. The fucking shoes, the french fry smell, the, oh. the, the whole thing. It's You got to go. Yeah. It's the experience. Putting your finger in ball holes that other, a million other people have already done. Yeah. The disgustingness. That's that uh, disinfectant spray. The whole nine oh, yards. Yeah. It's good stuff. I love it. It's the same thing. Like, I, I love a good in-home movie theater. Decking it out. The sound. The, the, your own shit. You could pause it. Go pee. Get a drink. I get that it. That I'm in I, for. I love it. And I, I use it. But there's going to be those times where you're like, I got to go see that movie in the movie theater. I need nope. to be in a movie theater. Nope. No, never you? If I have my own theater in my house like that, big screens, surround sound. The, if the sound and picture quality are exactly the same, I don't need all the other people around me. <laughs> Not a problem. It's the experience. Okay, so 
I don't even know what it was. Ryan. I'll make maybe? up tickets. I'll, I'll put someone at the door. Rip my ticket. I'll go sit down. I'll make popcorn. <laughs> Rip my own tickets. You're I don't care. <laughs> what am I gonna do? I, I want to sit around people chewing in my ear all day. I, no, thank you. Oh, is this a is this a popcorn chewing thing with you? Is it's, that all? It's seventy five percent chewing. <laughs> the rest of it is just people talking on their cell phones. You got people, you know, uh, rambunctious people making noise in the back. You got problems with the projector. You got the great fucking shit. You're crazy. Listen, you, uh, you got twice, commercials before the fucking thing. Uh, no. Twice in the last four to six weeks, we had the option of buying a movie in our home and watching it for 30 bucks or whatever it was. Yeah, I don't do that either. And twice we went out and spent over $75 just to go to the movies. Yeah, but you have kids. Kids want to do that. And I get it. I, I don't mind them. You know, the movie theater, it's an experience. I get it's it. A, I love it. You, you also feel like you're leaving the house. You're doing and something. Still, and I'm still doing that. And I would still do that today. But if I had the money to build my own theater, I'm doing that. When it's a movie I'm really excited about, like The Many Saints, the, new, the Sopranos movie, I'm going to see that fucker in the theaters. See, Although that's, that's going to be... Yeah. That's going to be tough because they are putting it on HBO Max, I think, at the same time. See, so. that's a movie that you don't have to see on the big screen. There are movies like action movies and sci-fi and stuff that you want to see on the big screen because it's, it's visually stunning. But a movie like The Sopranos movie, you don't have to see it on a huge screen. If you saw it in your living room, you know, it would probably have the same impact, No. Yeah, I I guess so. I I I don't know. I I just So what happened with Benefer? Why are we Oh, oh, that was the the house that they bought for 65 million, which is insane. They didn't buy it. They just went to look at it. Yeah. But don't you feel like it's too much too soon? I'm worrying about them like I know them. I just I'm worried like I don't Here's the thing. Here's what I've learned. And you could disagree with me, but I feel like this is a universal thing. When you break up with somebody and you are in a long-term relationship, there is value. There is importance to letting that shit. It takes months, if not a year, to come off of that, regain who you are, figure out what you want, what you need, what went wrong, what you did, what they did, assess blame, forgive, well, yeah, move they've forward. They've been apart for years. There's all that stuff. When you go from one to the other, like that's, that, I don't think that that's ever good, ever. I don't think that that's always, ever good. Look at Seinfeld. You always bet on the backslide. When Elaine and Putty got back together, I've been out waiting. I've been waiting on that <laughs> marriage for years. So, you know, they bump into each other, they see, they meet each other. You know, I just picture Jerry with the cigar in his mouth laughing, counting his money. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great book. It witness. <laughs> that is a great scene but, but I, they were together for a reason they liked each other obviously I know. they loved each other they got back together it's not you're allowed. but wouldn't you feel if you're Ben right now wouldn't you feel that this is all not fake but built off of a false sense of security meaning she's obviously vulnerable she's gone through this terrible breakup or not whatever it was it's a breakup well, and wouldn't you too. feel like you were a rebound when you were like, obviously nobody wants to be alone. And so sometimes you just fall right into somebody else. Maybe. And then after a while, cause you do go through all those emotions coming off the old relationship. Then suddenly you realize, 
holy shit, I'm in another one, and I'm not ready for this, or this isn't what I wanted, or whatever. Maybe, but he already, he was he went through the same thing. Bad break, not bad breakup, but a long term. He was married, had kids. They broke up. Jennifer Gardner. Uh, maybe he just likes Jennifer's. I don't know. Maybe that's. But they broke up. He could, you know, he could see it the same way. But they obviously had some kind of connection, and they're happy, right? But it's weird. Every time I see a picture of Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez together, he looks miserable. Am I wrong? They're I just, walking out of some place, and he's just like carrying something. And he's like, well, there's a lot of those pictures. I think that's just because he's from Boston. I just don't think that those people can be happy. I I just feel that's, like you are. I, I love Boston. Boston's a great town. Stereotype, but I just feel like you hating on Boston. When you're from Boston, you're there's only a certain amount of happiness you can truly have. There are only so many hoodies, and and. Uh, Cans of beans. I don't know what else, Boston. That'll make you happy. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, and yeah. and and that's not built off of any racial stereotype. But if I can throw the Irish into this mix, I will because again, those people, same thing. They're only so happy they could be. That way, those people came from that way. There's a lot of Irish people in Boston. If you don't believe me, just check their basketball team's jerseys. You'll find a four-leaf clover on there. Okay. Granted, that's all but you know. I wouldn't refer to them as those people, but that's, that's not me. <laughs> no, I'm making a joke about the Irish people. Them a little bit. I'm making a joke about yeah, them. Of course you are. I know. But I really mean that about the Boston people. They did my, are. Did my mic give out? No. All right, because the light is off on my thing. But okay. No, no, I can hear you just fine. Sweet. Oh, is that right? Oh, I hope we're not annoying people. I can't hear anything. I, you sound fine to me. Sounds good to me. Yeah, right. I think the light went off on my mic, but. I guess if it's still working, unless it's coming in on the iPad. I think it's fine. Cool. All right, let's talk about my government-controlled air conditioner. All right, what the My wife happened? told me this, and I want to call her a liar, uh, but I feel like I'll get in a lot of trouble if I do. But I almost, I believe her. Okay, here, you ever get this, where you believe the person who told you, but you almost can't believe that it is true? Yes. Okay. And if this is true, which I do believe it is, but I can't believe it, I am fucking flabbergasted that this is a real thing. Because here's why. I've, I'm on record on this show about like saying like people take conspiracy theories too far, and enough is enough already. And Definitely. who's going to... like This whole thing was to track you. Remember the whole birds thing and the, the, mm -hmm. the shot and the vaccine? They're tracking well, you. And all birds are thing. faked. That was my yeah. favorite. All this shit. And get, get, get a fucking life. Okay. I come home. All right. I go to my wife. Uh, it's warm in the house. And she goes, yeah, I know. Uh, who is it? PSCG? Okay, which granted they're not really government. But, you know, there, there are utility. Okay. Oh. They... Put our air conditioner, they set our air conditioner to 75. She goes, PSEG set our air conditioners to 75. I go, what the fuck are you talking about? Wow. I was like, how they can't. She can you want to tell, do you want to say what you said? Do you want to be on camera or do you want me to pull the microphone off camera? Okay. This is what she said she saw on our nest. Now we have a nest. You know what that is, Frank? I mean, I feel like most people know what yeah, that is. Yeah, yeah. It's the little here. So it's for people. It who, controls every yeah. It, it's a little thing on the wall. It's connected to the internet. We can control it on our phones. 
right? We, you know, we, we put the temperature up all the time. We set this and that. Tell them what was on the thing. Okay. It, uh, first, I have to say, I can't stand you. Okay, so what it is is because PSEG, when is a lot of, when there's a heat wave and when it's hot, they have like a critical rush hour. And that's usually from like 4 o'clock to 7 o'clock when it's at the hottest and everyone's like home. So I went to, because it was hot, I went to go turn the thermostat because I set it to 70. And I'm like, 74? Why is it? No, 75. And I try to turn it to 74, clicked. And then I got like a message that said, PSEG, like Long Island, is the critical rush hour when there's high, you know, the nest, because the nest works with them. That's how they know when we leave the house and they change the air then too, will tweak this is the exact word, tweak the temperature to save energy and keep you comfortable. And then I had to, so then I tried to move it again to go down because it wouldn't like go down and they, the message came up again. I had to like go through the settings and take that off to be able to go back to 70 because I was sweating. Wow. Can you fucking believe, they basically said, are you sure you want to control your own temperature in your own home? that you want to put this up. Now, I didn't know it said rush hour. Again, not that I didn't believe you, but when I went to go change the temperature a, a, a while after this happened, it also said rush hour. It didn't fight me on it, but it also said rush hour on the thing. And it was at five o'clock, so I thought, this is weird. What, what do they give a shit about? What, what, you know, it's rush hour. Who gives a shit? But that's what happened. At least, at the, well, uh, at the very least, they gave you the option to override it. But holy crap, if that isn't effed up. That's now here's what's incredibly alarming about this. We also have cameras, Nest cameras. Hello. On the same system that we monitor our children with, that we monitor our front yeah. doors with, that occasionally we shoot our own little porn movies with, right? Uh, no, well, I don't know, maybe. But you do. That seems like it's under dispute. <laughs> but I do. Solo movies. Oh, Coming God. soon. Check my OnlyFans. Yikes. Um, <laughs> But this is ridiculously concerning. Like, I am, I know we're making jokes, but I'm pretty pissed off that this is happening. Now, we make the joke, my government controlled AC. This is a utility. I know they're not the government. But still, this is. I think it's, it's more of an invasion if it's not the government. I mean, this is fucking alarming. Look, it's one thing to be like, hey, this is a, there's a, this is going to be a power struggle. You might want to uh, turn the lights off. Yeah, turn your AC up a little bit. Yeah, I wonder who made the decision. Let's just e turn everybody's AC down. Right, like, prompt me. Be like, hey, maybe 75. Would, do you want to turn your AC to 75? That would be great if everybody could do that right now so we all have power throughout this, this trying time or whatever. They but just to, do it. To, to just are you sure it? you didn't get like an email or something? Did we get it? Frank, just ask a good question. Did we get an email? Did, did, you, did you check? Because sometimes... Or a letter in the mail? It comes into the nest. So it, it was displayed on the nest. It said... It, it was on the actual device itself. Oh, is that right? I thought I, I, thought I saw that. The message. See, they call it... A smart house, but I'd rather live in a stupid house. I'm in a stupid house right now. There's no, nothing smart about this house. We don't put cameras. 
inside the house. Oh, yeah, look at this. Most Cri part. Critical rush hour. Wait, they got it at three? PSC Long Island runs critical rush hour when there's usually high local energy demand. During rush hour, Nest will tweak the temperature to save energy and keep you comfortable. You can turn off notifications for rush hour rewards in your settings, but that's notifications. Rewards. That's a nice way of spinning it. Oh, you can turn off notifications for rush hour rewards. What does that mean? Do we get... But what's the rewards? Do we save money? Do we, do we get like a bonus for... Oh, we got a check for 80 bucks because we turned our thing up? Oh, there you go. When did that happen? Oh, so quit your bitching. <laughs> what are you complaining about? So we signed up for this? Haha. -ha. Maybe read what no, you said. No, but next I thought time. that was because like we had a nest and like we can like we had a nest, so we have a smart way of controlling our home. We could turn it we could monitor it, turn it off when we're not there, do all that kind of fun advanced shit. I didn't sign up for fucking yeah, go in and turn up the temperature in my house when you're having a fucking issue. Because last I checked, I'm paying for a service and I don't want you in my fucking house that's also connected with cameras diddling around. Yep, I'd rip all that stuff out if I were you. Wait a second. Say that again. They change the air conditioner when we leave. Oh, that's creepy. Yeah, but that's because we have it on economy. That's they they know when you're leaving your house. That's good too. You didn't put it on economy. You didn't put it on economy. Are you sure about that? Five minutes. <laughs> I'm very very disturbed about all of this. You should be. And if I were you, I'd rip all that stuff out. I wouldn't stand for that. I know, but I am very addicted to sitting on my couch going, it is warm in here, and pulling out my phone and changing the temperature without having to irresponsibly burn calories that I so desperately need to burn by getting up and turning the thing off myself. Calories. Fine. You should hook it up to Google. Google has nothing to do with PSENG. They won't work in cahoots together. Oh, Frank, don't be so naive. Now I feel like one of our commenters in, in, in the fucking... Don't be so naive, Frank. Google's not going to turn your temperature but down. PSE and Google's G is so going. much fucking... Google's so much better. They're no. not in cahoots. No, they're in cahoots, but at least they won't turn your temperature down. How do you know? I don't know. You don't know. It's the same shit. They're all the same anything. shit. They so, probably got this deal everywhere. So rip the shit out. Go back to the one where you, it's like a brown dial, and you just you have to turn the, the little thing. <laughs> You know that, that one in your grandparents' house that you just yeah you turn that plastic that? that plastic little wheel in the front <laughs> that go, weird go ass back to brown that. wheel yeah the fuck was that or the the eighties ones where it was a square and you just had that clear thing with the red line on it that you would slide from yeah, left to right that was something <laughs> hell was that I'm telling you go you go back. back to that go back to that it's better I can't do it this I'm one hooked. oh they still sell them. They still sell these sons of bitches. That that thing? I don't know if you can see it. That there round, you go. Yeah, there it is. Looks like a huge wall nipple. Go back to wall nipples. Mark Walbert. Mark wall nipple. We'll call it. Mark <laughs> 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 wall nipple. What the hell? That's good. <laughs> Let's see your I, nest I have a better name than that. This is, but this is, I, I mean, I'm really, I'm, I'm, this is fucking ridiculous I, for a couple of reasons. 
much this is what we fucking signed up for with these things. You've been able to to do no boxes where they have these issues because they think all their bullshit on how they get power. You know what I'm saying? This is New York, this is Long Island. Like we pay for power, get this power. How is so? How is your shit so fucked up that you can't deliver the product that you are promising everybody to deliver? And this and is I, not blown transmitter or some bullshit accident and online, whatever. Yeah. This is like, oh no, everybody's using the thing that they pay us to use. You should see that coming. Back. You should. They should know. I mean, what's the maximum amount of power? That we could, that people could possibly use in this amount of time, they should know what that is, and build a facility to handle that. Yeah. I mean, why are we always on the brink of we're going to lose power? Why it is that a be. thing? It should not friggin' be. Build it's another plant. Build another. Build another facility. Build it up. No, my wife said that was very smart of her. She goes, what are we going to do? Because I always talk about Teslas, and I, I want a Tesla. I want it. I'm, I'm just into it. I love the car. I like the whole thing. Mm. I like the renewable energy. I like that I have to go to a gas station and fill up in, you know, for like a week and a half, two weeks. I had a hybrid car. electric car. I, I loved it. Yeah, it was great. She goes, what are, we're all driving around. And, oh, by the way, all the cars are like in 2025 or 2025, whatever. They've all announced they're going all electric at some point, most of mm-hmm. them. She goes, well, we're all driving around electric cars. What the fuck is this going to look like then? And I'm like, you know what? You're right. Because it's like, not only are we uh, powering our homes with this shit, but now we're all going to be powering our cars at supercharger stations and shit. Double and it up, baby. Holy shit. We got a lot of fucking work to do. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, If we're going to start charging... I mean, uh, this thing can't handle a fucking air conditioner. Our grid can't handle that. You're going to start charging our cars. Uh, it's, I don't get it. It's, I don't know how it's going to work out, but we got to start stepping up our shit. In a big way. Yeah, In start, a big way. Start building windmills. Start fucking putting solar panels on top of these things. Do whatever we have to do, but build it up. Yeah. There's work to be done. I don't know. Yeah. This is scary. I don't scary. know how we're always on. We're always on the edge of being threatened with we're going to lose power, and people can lose power all the time around here. Yeah. And why? Because we don't have the the. Why? I still don't know the answer. You should have it by now. Like that's the thing. You should have it by now. We with know all the, the money. Fix the problem. Yeah, fix the problem. With all the money, and here's what especially annoys me. And you tell me if I'm wrong with this. And this is, I'm annoyed by the, I don't know how people's roads are by their houses, but here in Long Island, the fucking, our highways are a nightmare. We just went through a pandemic where we were all off the road for two months. Two months? We were off the road for uh, almost a year. Well, a lot of people still, yeah. Go fix shit. Go fix some shit. That's the time to do it. They were still doing construction back when, after we knew it was kind of safe through the distance and the mask. Go fix some shit. Mm-hmm. Nothing got fixed. Everything got yeah. worse. I don't know how, but it's true. I mean, it's still. Uh, I don't. You know, the it. government never controlled my air conditioner during the Trump administration, and that's all I'm gonna say. Yeah, but that's they also didn't fix your roads. Trump. They also not didn't. An, they didn't fix your roads during the Trump administration, too. I'm just saying, I was able to control my own, and the gall that my wife goes to turn the fucking thing, and that literally was like, "Are you sure about this?" rush hour you know like what shit what the fuck 
Hey, they ask. They have to ask. They don't have to manipulate your temperature, but they should ask you first. The farthest I'm comfortable with them going with this is sending me a notification that says, hey, this is what's happening. Do you want to turn your shit up to 75? And not to be you like you do it yourself, not having have, them do it. Right. Agreed. That is the thing. The, and yeah, and so you can turn that option off now, right? You, you've gone into this your nest and, turn, and switched off. Have we them. turned that off? Did you? Is that what you did in the settings? Did you turn that off? Yeah, let's go check that because that's. You know, if 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 they could do that, then then naked, naked videos of us are going to surface on the internet one day. It may not be this year. Yeah, and it may not be that, next please. year. Make sure we could put a stop to this right now, but please. That shit is you have to see and like whips and chains that. and swings and it's a I lot of things that happen in this house, Frank. You don't want to know about. You ruined my birthday present for you this year. I didn't know you had all that stuff already. You don't know the half of it with this one. Crazy. Go for, hey, as long as uh, I don't come across that footage. Help me, Frank. Get me. You gotta get me out of here. I can't fucking take it anymore. I'm sorry. You're breaking up here. I can't. I can't the hear whips you. Whips and the chains. I got nothing. Can't hear you. Just once, I would like to use one of these toys instead of being have them used on me. I don't you know, know what I'm saying. saying. No, I got nothing. It's fucking scary. I'm getting text messages from uh, a cuddles that uh, I should go along with whatever she says. So my ass hurts right now. It's been whipped so hard. I'm sure. I'm sitting on. A, I'm sitting on a block of ice. You can't see it, but I'm sitting on a block of ice. I wish I could help you. Yeah. Unless you know. My penis isn't one of those like those things that you you know like those chastity belt things. Like like Leonardo DiCaprio in that movie all those years ago. I can't remember the name of it. Titanic. No, not Titanic. Where he's like caught in he's in the tower. Oh, now your microphone's going. Uh, goodbye. All right. Hang on, I got my. End of the show. Wait, wait for the government to fix it. Hold on. Maybe maybe PSCG will want to fucking go in there and 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 fix it for you. Fucking pricks. Better. Yeah, you're back. That was a quick change. You should work for NASCAR. I'm telling you. I got the batteries right here, all ready to go. Yeah. Now it's a matter of getting this stupid cover back on this thing. By the way, we could we could afford to get you a better system that's plugged, that's AC-powered and not uh, battery-powered if somebody didn't spend all the budget on fucking... I see. Once I say something negative, I'm going to be... You know, I don't want to... She's gonna, you know, my wife's gonna start using that stuff on me, and I can't have that yet. Also, I'm afraid to get you an AC powered unit for fear that PSEG will uh, regulate how much power you get to have. Yeah, I don't want uh, no offense, but I'm not taking tech advice from you anymore. Knowing that the government or, or PSEG is watching you do whatever the hell it is you do <laughs> and controlling your entire world. So, no more uh, electronic gifts from you. Thank you. Uh, the whole thing is disturbing, my friend. Disturbing. I'm telling you. Rip it out of the wall now while you can. I feel like I criticize people for being ridiculous. And then something like this happens to you. And now all of a sudden you're like, Jesus, maybe those people have a point. Yeah, it's all a big conspiracy. Might not be the government, but they're watching you right now. They're looking at you. They're watching this podcast. 
They, they, got, they got all eyes on you, and they're controlling your temperature. It's fucked up. What are they going to control next? I mean, we just what, are they don't even cook you food. Could they? Are they attached? Are they hooked up to your stove? I don't know. What? Well, yeah. What's next? How much food I could eat? You know. I mean, what I would actually wish up? somebody would step in and regulate that. I need help in that area. But right, if you have one of those smart uh, refrigerators, maybe it won't open for you one time. Up. Oh, maybe you skip this midnight snack. Yeah. Who are you to tell me not to have a a fig Newton if I want one? Uh, speaking of which, this is trending right now, so we'll let's leave the show here. If you had to eliminate one of these, Frankie C, mm. this is one of those meme gritty things where there's nine uh, chocolate snacks on the screen. The Twix bar, Twix, <laughs> Almond Joy, Kit Kat, Butterfinger, Snickers, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, Baby Ruth, M&M's. I think those are peanut M&M's. Those are peanut M&M's. And the Milky Way, if you have to get rid of one of these, which one would you eliminate? I think this is an easy call for me. I'm also going to ask Cuddles, too. Butterfinger. Butterfinger? Yeah, they're gone. Out of all these, yes. Oh, you're messed up. Butterfinger, it's fine, but it gets stuck in your teeth every time. No matter how careful you are, Butterfinger gets stuck in your teeth. And I know it's a good, it's a good, uh, it's a good chocolate bar, but compared to the rest on that list... I love a butter. What is that, by the way? What is in there that's getting stuck to your teeth? I don't even fucking butter. know what that shit is. <laughs> I don't know what it is. It's delightful, it's, though. It's gooey, and it, it, yeah, every bite you take, it's in your teeth, and it's there for hours. Um, yeah, this is yeah, hard. It is hard. Nuts. No, there's no nuts in a baby Ruth. Yes, there is. No, it's all nougat. No, it's not. There's nuts in a baby Ruth. There's chocolate. No, no, nuts. no. Hang on. How much you want to bet? Not a lot, because I'm not sure. <laughs> I think maybe like number two. Wow. Cuddles yeah, is getting are rid of Almond Joys. There are peanuts, but it's mostly nougat. That's your baby Ruth right there, if you could see it. That's what's in it. What's, I can't, because we're small on the screen right now. I know, I'm it? trying. It's, There's it's nuts not, in there. There are nuts, yeah, I was wrong. I was thinking of uh, Milky Way. It's the same kind of wrapper. What's the one where it's all nuts? Covered in chocolate. I thought that was the baby. Hundred grand? No, I think you got the baby Ruth wrong. Are you, what's no your baby Ruth? There? PSCG? What are you reading? A big candy. Government issued. Big candy. Big I'm a, Main Street Media. Cuddles is uh, eliminating almond joy, which I have a big problem with because I love. Oh, that's messed up. Almond joy. I love great. a good almond joy. The one that's guaranteed to keep is Reese's peanut butter cups. You can't cross the that. board. Hundred percent. That's the most amazing thing on Reese's that list. Reese's is so fucking safe on this list. It's not even funny. Honestly. And Snickers and say, too. And M and M's are good too. M and M's. Even the Twix bar. I mean, come on. You not those. I would say one, five, six, and eight are so fucking safe. It's not. Yeah. It, those are the least eliminated. See, for bars. me, it would be two, five, six, and eight. So I like I'm enjoy better than Twix. That's crazy talk, but okay. Or mounds. You could throw a throw a little peanut in there. We're good. Mounds. Oh, I'm enjoys have have nuts. Mounds don't. Yeah, that's because really catchy and it shouldn't be. Sometimes I feel like a. Yeah. Sometimes I. Sometimes you. Right. But yeah, all good, all good chocolate candies. But yeah, Butterfinger's got to go for me. That's an easy one. I want to see everybody's reaction to this in the comments. And I love the live chat that happens on YouTube and Facebook, but I want to see it in the comments. I want to be able to read yeah, it for your, days. Yeah, afterwards. put it in the comment section. Yeah. Uh, let us know. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. 
Which one? Yeah, okay, I think the, the picture that you have is bullshit there. You have a different... Of what? You of have a different... Ruth? You got a different baby Ruth. That's not the original baby Ruth. Yeah, well, that's the little one. Yeah, that's it. Oh, wait. No, because yeah, it says... You might be right. It oh, says improved is... in the corner. In the top of the wrapper, it says improved. Right there. Not the one I I opened up. I that's opened not... up the one from from Wikipedia. Did they change the baby Ruth on us? That's the one that I had opened up. Yeah, cuz see baby Ruth, see here, that's not that's not what I got. See, that's different. That's mostly that peanuts. Is. Yeah. That's I feel like that maybe they made a change on the baby Ruth without us knowing. That's interesting. Yeah, payday is all nuts and it's no chocolate. Oh, wait, is that what I'm thinking of though? There's Let your payday. Yeah, that's good too. I like a good payday. See, I could, you know, if I want peanuts, I go to I go to Snickers. I don't yeah, like I too many peanuts. You ever have a Take Five? I think that's the best one. Not the sure. fact that Take Five hasn't taken over the country is amazing to me. But we all know that Twix is the only candy with the cookie crunch. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Jerry, free candy! I love that. The, that remember that girl? The way she yeah. says free candy is free something candy. about it. Free candy. Mid that was a great episode. Um, Kip or Skip? I don't know. Short name. <laughs> the candy lineup, remember? The candy lineup. They're all, They're twix, all twix, and you're all screwing me. <laughs> <laughs> he's charging him for the undercoating, and that's the he's trying to buy a car episode. That's a good episode. Yeah. We don't even know what it does. Yeah. <laughs> Again, the Upset. fucking C storyline in that show was hysterical. That wasn't oh, even like, Kramer on the road trying to run out the gas. Run out tank. the gas. Yeah. Oh, that was great. The whole thing. Yeah. That whole episode. By the way, you want to laugh really quick, but I'm going to tell people what show and I'm going to give away. Uh, Farrelly Brothers, same same uh, piece that I was reading before they got to Jim Carrey, mm -hmm. which they offered it to everybody under the sun. They offered that role in Dumb and Dumber to Michael Richards. And you know what Michael Richards. Richards said? He was interested, Kramer, he was interested yeah. in doing it. But he said to them, take out all the jokes. And they were like, what? He's like, this isn't a comedy. This is a tragedy. This is a drama you got here. Take out all the jokes and I'll do it. And they were like, Fuck, no, we're not going to do that. And then years later, when he ran into them again, he was like, you guys were right. I was wrong. It was a comedy. <laughs> My bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He said it was, you know what he called it? He said it was of mice and men. He goes, this is a modern of mice and men. You got Lenny and. Uh, yeah, he read it the wrong way. Yeah. He was like, this is two people that are in, in, in need of some kind of mental help. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, a lot of that stuff was ad-libbed by Jim Carrey. I'm sure all the, you know, not all those jokes were in the script. So a lot of the stuff, like the landing on the moon thing was yeah. an ad-lib, was added by Jim Carrey himself on right. the spot. So a lot of that stuff, funny, but maybe it wasn't in the script that Kramer read. So you know, they were saying... It, yeah. They were saying that uh, Bill Murray and Kingpin did that. Like he had all these, they had all these lines written for him, and he would look at it and go, "Okay," and then he would just say whatever he wanted. And he, they were like, every line was so much better than what That's we wrote. That's the magic of fucking Bill Murray, man. He's... You want to know what else is interesting to tie this to the Seinfeld? They also said that they they try before Dumb and Dumber got sold and was going to be made as a movie. They tried to get on Seinfeld as writers. And that they even got a, a meeting with Seinfeld 
and that Seinfeld and Larry David actually bought some ideas off of them, hmm. but would not hire them to, to be staff writers. Like, we just want to be staff writers. And when they got rejected, they felt so awful. Yeah. But who knows what would have become. If they got rejected, then they wind up doing Dumb and Dumber, and then they go off on their little... You know what's weird? I think, I could be wrong, but I think one of the, if not both of the Farrelly brothers, were in Clear History with Larry David. Yeah, Peter they was. Were. All right, yeah. so they're, they're friends, and they're, and they're both yeah. successful. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. it all ended well, I guess. Um, I'll tell you what I eliminate. I feel like this is an absolute no-brainer. Kit Kat? The, the Kit Kat. Fuck that thing, man. That Kit sucks. Kit Kats are good. Kit Kats stink. I take Wafers, Kit Kat over Butterfingers. Wafers? What is this? The Great Depression? Get that shit out of my fucking face. I love wafers. You go to the to the um, supermarket, whatever, you get those those wafers, cookies, and those the long package. Yeah. Bullshit. Only, my only complaint is opening them, the crumbs go everywhere. Yeah. They should be in like a sleeve that you could take them out like cookies. But wafers I love with the, the cream in the middle. Wait, Air has no business being in a fucking dessert. It should be breathed into my nose. Get that shit out of my fucking snacks. I have no I room for that shit. I don't want to eat air or chocolate in air. Bro, I don't even know if that's a Depression era candy, but it feels like we made wafers during the Depression because we couldn't afford shit, and they were like, I don't know, blow it up with some air, and we'll trick people into thinking that they're yeah. eating food. It'll be 95% air, 5% yeah. wafer, and you'll be, yeah. be good. I get that, but... Kit Kats with the chocolate, I'm in. Uh, Butterfinger to me, mm -mm. it's every every bite is a challenge. It's You're a, so wrong. By the way, no. you ever have a Butterfinger uh, fribble or, or? I've had it as a topping on like you know ice cream or whatever. Some ice, it's delightful. It is, but delightful. little little pieces. But to have a bar of it, like oh, I, I don't know. It's it's such a it's such a challenge. I look at it and go, that's a headache. If I'm gonna eat that, it's a <laughs> It's a guaranteed I'm going to be struggling with this. That's thing. a fucking filling right there. Every bar is a filling, and I can't afford yeah, it right I now. Yeah, I can't do it. <laughs> Give me something I could actually eat. I will say somebody somewhere gave me bite-sized Butterfingers, and they were, like, thinner. They were, like, right. little thinner bite-sized ones. It was less of the buttery inside to rate to chocolate ratio, and that was considerably better. All right, maybe I can go for that. But than it, a full bar. It's such a weird inside. I don't know what it is. I guess yeah. it's peanut butter or something in there that... It's just once you bite into it, it's like you gotta get in there with your tongue and dig and it he, out. Agreed. And here's my other thing. Second most eliminated I feel on yeah. this. What do you think I'm gonna say? Or what would you say? Uh I would say my own personal thing, I would say Twix. Okay, but what would, what would you think I would say? I mean, just because it's the only one we haven't brought up, Milky Way. Milky Way, hundred percent. Milky Way is bullshit. Caramel is the only thing saving that fucking bar. But let me tell you this: I don't I like think Milky Ways. I don't think in a head-to-head -head battle between Milky Way and Snickers, Snickers has ever lost. I think when Maybe those not. two things are sitting next to a shelf and you're like, "I want a candy bar." To be fair, I whenever, feel like ten times out of ten, you're going Snickers over Milky Way. Around Halloween, when you get those bags with all the different candy bars, the small, fun-sized ones in it, yeah. you open the bag and there's like five different kinds, but there's like a million of them. I always go through either the Milky Ways or the Three Musketeers first. That's because you don't really have a lot of the great candies in those things. No, there's Snickers and there's other things. There's and that's big candy just pushing off its shittier stuff. The, that's the only way Milky Ways get consumed. Because you're in such a froth 
from the high of Halloween that you're going to just eat a lot of chocolate that you shouldn't be, that you're just like, I'll just fucking take anything. Now, when's the last time, outside of Halloween and buying candy like that, when's the last time you were in a store and picked up a bar of chocolate, a bar of something it's, like this? It is. I bet, I'll tell you what, I bet you it happens maybe three times a year. I just never buy chocolate. I never buy chocolate. I never buy candy like this. Not never, ever. I'm never online and go, oh, I could go for a Snickers and buy a, a bar of Snickers. It never happens. Yeah. No, if I'm going to buy Snickers, I'm going to buy a huge bag of it and take it home as like a, you know, pour it in a big bowl and have a bunch of little ones. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. I just don't eat chocolate bars all that. It's something that you got to really kind of be in the mood for. And also, let's say this. These things really aren't as great as they used to be years ago. And I don't know if they've changed the recipe or if I just got older and my taste buds changed. But that chocolate is bullshit chocolate. For instance, I loved, I always loved Reese's, but now I'm kind of like, eh. You ever have Justin's? They, they sell them at Starbucks, and they're in a lot, they're in CVS, they're in all these. But Justin's, it's essentially a Reese's peanut butter cup, but like with real, like, I like delicious chocolate. chocolate. That Reese's gives. If you have a Justin's, you can never go back to a Reese's. Really? Never. That's never. It is delightful. The peanut butter is better, too, by the way. You know how Reese's has that dry, crumbly, crusty peanut butter? In the Justin's, it's nice and smooth and so. I don't know if I prefer that. It might be a little distracting. See, now, what's great. Oh, they might be organic, my wife said. Oh, all right. Well, what I like, if you've ever tried this, if you go to the baking aisle in your supermarket and you get the little cups that are like the size of chocolate chips almost. Maybe a little bigger. Mm-hmm. They're little Reese's cups that, like, you could use in like cake or, or as a topping of some kind. You get those, and you just eat a handful of those, like you're eating, you know, like, uh, like you're eating popcorn. You just blup, blup, blup. They're amazing. They're, they're little chocolate peanut butter cups. They're like the size of your pinky nail. You know, they're little. Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. That's Justin's, by the way. It's in a white wrapper. You ever see it? Mm. Fucking phenomenal. I don't know. It looks like dark chocolate to me. Is that dark chocolate? It is dark chocolate. It is. But you know what? It even if you hate dark chocolate, I think you might like it because I the like balance between the peanut butter, it's just it works. It just works. I but I'm a, I love Reese's. So it's hard to get around it. So I'll try. I I would try Justin's, but I don't know if you're gonna get better than Reese's. Try Justin's. I think you'll be. I, I would. You know what? Now we have to do this. You got to try it. I gotta find. I'll fucking it. send you a box if I have to. I want to know. I want to know what a hardcore Reese's enthusiast would would. I, that's great. a reaction I want to see live on the show because I want. This is wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hard to get yeah. around that, but I'll it try is. it next time I go to the supermarket. I'll pick up if I see Justin's. I'll All pick right. it up. Yeah, they have in CVS's too a lot. I know they they really got some dominant shelf space in CVS recently. So sweet. Check that shit out. I think I'm going this weekend for to nice. the, the supermarket. So we'll see. To a Civis? You going to a Civis? There is a Civis next to my supermarket, so maybe. Nice. Nice. I'm excited about this. Yes. All right. See, you got to subscribe to the show here because, I mean, is there anything more exciting than Frank trying to fucking chocolate peanut butter cup? I can't Justin's? Who have I heard of Justin's? But if this guy, is this Justin, is everything Anthony's saying he is, then hey. You may yeah. have a new customer here. Whoever this Justin is, whoever they, he thinks he is, or she thinks she is, I don't know, cisgender, transgender world. Sure. We're not sure. Traditionally, Justin is a male name, but could be female just as well. Just it's a new world, Frank. 
It is a new, brave, wonderful world. I'm just checking something because this what was. A wonderful <laughs> this was trending the other day that Ben and Jerry stopped tweeting like months ago, and people are like concerned. Oh no! Did you see that? No. Yeah. They stopped tweeting. Yeah, something about they support some countries or what? Wait, is this? Wait a second. Hold on a second. What account am I in? There's no way. This There's is no ben accounting and, for you. This says Ben and Jerry's follows me. That can't be. What's <laughs> happening here? You know how you're overweight when. <laughs> <laughs> how the fuck? Ben and Jerry's. When did Ben and Jerry start following me? Did you know this? What the fuck is going on? That's funny. Good. That's cool. Ben and Jerry, send us free stuff. Ben and Jerry's, I didn't know that they followed me. They're following, not for so, nothing, they're following 68,000 people. So it's not like it's like That's a, compared to what uh, Ben and Jerry's could be following. 68,000 is a small number, I think. Yeah. But look, they haven't tweeted since May. That's weird. Wow. How's Briars doing? Are they tweeting? I don't know. They're not following <laughs> me. So fuck them. I fucked them. <laughs> so I if there was an Anthony. Did you see? Look, right there. See? Follows oh, you. They follow you. Know, That's pretty cool. No idea. That's cool. Do you tweet yeah. at them at all? I must have at some point. And hey, look at that. I don't know. Now, if Ben and Jerry's was, were to make a, uh, an Anthony on air flavor, mm -hmm. what would be in that? Ooh. At least four nuts. It would be, I would have Trump chocolate chip, Trump chocolate chip cookies in it. That's Oof. what it would be. No, Little so MAGA shaped chocolate chip cookies. No, you have two different kinds of nuts and crumbled up blondie. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be good. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You know what? We got to run. Let, let's, let's think All about right. an ice cream flavor. That's my what vote, though. Want that to be. Anthony on air. Two, two different kinds of nuts, maybe almonds and whatever. And a little blondie Cashews. in there? And instead of brownies, you put blondies in there. Yeah, but the blondies only on, on the last 20%. <laughs> you only get a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, I think we got an original idea. Because I want everybody to be eating it and going, why is the blondie only ever at the end? I don't it only comes in it. later in the show. <laughs> That's it. All right, let's leave it there. Um, We'll uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, if you're on this, enjoy your weekend. If you're yes. on Saturday or whatever, enjoy. Thanks so much for watching and or listening. ShopAnthonyOnAir.com is our store. Support the show with a donation or uh, by becoming a subscriber monetarily with the link in the description below. Or just continue watching for free and hit that like button on Facebook or YouTube. And rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. We'll take either one. Thanks. Mm, 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 mm. Got a lot of Stevie Wonder in my head these days. Which is not a complaint. I'm just saying it's, it's there.